Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. Thank you once again for coming to Bart's Logic Political Talk, part of the growing conservative conversation and part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. And tonight, of course, we'll be talking about the recent events, uh, not counting the fire in London or even the shooting this morning, uh, which that was, uh, you know, Terrible. I'm sure you've all heard about that. Luckily, no one was killed, and it could have been a lot worse than what it was. Uh, but I tell you what, the loons are out, let me tell you. I mean, just shooting somebody uh, because of the party they're in, Ugh, well, I don't know. I mean, I know there was times I didn't like Hillary Clinton, but I don't know if I go so far as uh, I don't know. Uh, but anyway... Uh, But we will be uh, discussing tonight, of course, Comey testifying in front of Congress. And, of course, we're also going to discuss – we're going to kind of put it all together, too. uh, But we are going to also discuss uh, the Mueller, Mueller, who as the special counselor, as he has been uh, appointed uh, to look into the matters of the so-called Russian collusion – I can't believe we're still uh, talking about that, but unfortunately, we are, and so with that, and of course, the possibility of, you know, Trump doing some uh, obstruction of justice, Uh, but recently, we, uh, you know, it's been found out that members of the team that Mueller has hired are supporters of or either Democrat contributors or Democrat or liberty, I'm sorry, uh, supporters of Hillary Clinton. And, and, and one was even, I believe, uh, worked for in some manner, uh, the Clinton Foundation. Uh, so uh, we'll hear more about that. And, and then, of course, we'll I got an article here about uh, Paul Ryan <laughs> a little bit on that, which we know that, you know, he, I think he tried to act like he is Trump's friend, but we, we both know uh, that he's he's really not. Uh, I, I think he's kind of eyeing the White House himself personally, uh, but we'll see uh, as that uh, transpires. Uh, now, what I've got here, uh, we'll, we'll begin uh, the show. I've got a number of uh, different articles and audio uh, for tonight. Uh, first, we'll start off as uh, – now, we all know that I am a, a New Gingrich fan, and we've got uh, some dialogue here uh, bet- uh, between uh, Duke Gingrich and Sean Hannity, which Sean Hannity showed last night talking about these topics. And then uh, later on in the show, we'll talk about what you're seeing there about the emoluments clause, and you may not know what that is, and uh, hoping 
you know, we can't, you know, we'll go over that, what we'll, that is mainly, but I was hoping Kelly, hopefully we'll see him tonight and he'll probably explain it better than any of us here. Uh, but we'll wait and see on that. Uh, but first let's go ahead and, you know, we've got uh, a couple of different audios and uh, we'll make commentary on that. And we got uh, two of them here, but let's go ahead and start with the first one. And this is, uh, as I said, it kind of wraps things up a little, not wraps them up, uh, but kind of explains things here and gets Gingrich's point on there. And we'll uh, go from there. And, of course, sorry to say it, you got weak, spineless Republicans, no backbone, never supported Donald Trump to begin with. And, by the way, and then you got the whole never Trumper crowd. They want relevance. They want vindication. They want to see the president fail so they can say, see, we told you so. But this has now become a serious moment of truth for the United States of America. We're either going to lose to these forces and allow them to distract this president from getting people off of poverty, out of food stamps, and back in the labor force, buying homes, the president and the agenda you elected him to enact, or we can stop it right now, what they're trying to do to this man, because they don't want his success. Their success, his success is their failure. To do this, James Comey and Loretta Lynch need to be investigated. Robert Mueller needs to go. And with all due respect, it's time for Hillary Clinton to be prosecuted. Joining us now with Reaction, the author of a brand new book just out today. It's called Understanding Trump, the former Speaker of the House, Fox News contributor Newt Gingrich. Mr. Speaker, great to see you. Good to see you. All right. Do you see what I just said? Five forces at work destroying the president and that this is a clear present danger for the country? Well, look, I think we're in a clear-cut cultural civil war. I think that there are a number of Republicans who don't get it. Uh, I would start with the very beginning of your monologue, and I wish every Republican would look at the lesson that the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, gave them today. He was passionate. He used strong language. He didn't back down. He had the facts, and he was prepared to go nose-to-nose with liberals every time they smeared him. And I think he clearly won because he was willing to be even more judgmental and more emotional and more committed than were the Democrats. Now, if every Republican learned that, and let me take the example of Attorney General Lynch. It's been, I think, a week since the head, the Democratic ranking member of the Intelligence Committee, Senator Feinstein, said she thought that the Congress ought to look into whether or not Attorney General Lynch was in fact obstructing justice. Now, I can't understand a Republican Party which is offered on a platter by the ranking Democrat of the Intelligence Committee, a very senior respected member of the Senate, an opportunity to open up an investigation of the Democratic Attorney General, and I've heard nothing. And this is just typical. Uh, We allow the left to set the agenda. We allow the left to define the terms of the debate. Uh, We are passive. Uh, And I think that it's really a huge, huge mistake to not take these people head on. Let me let me stay on Loretta Lynch while you're there, because I think this is important. By the way, I would agree, Sessions eviscerated these Democrats today, and it should be an abject lesson for every Republican. That's how you fight. That's how you stand up for truth. And I don't see, look, I think there's so many weak Republicans, it is frankly embarrassing and pathetic on both the agenda, the getting work done in the Congress, and secondly, standing up for the things that they promised the American people. But back to Loretta Lynch. You have the tarmac 
meeting with Bill Clinton in a plane. Totally inappropriate, possible collusion, possible obstruction. Then it gets even worse than that. She gets James Comey to take the word investigation and turn it into a matter. Later, Sarah Carter, as I was explaining the opening monologue, that James Comey confronts her, that she had put the kibosh on any possible indictment, regardless of where the evidence led, and gave him a, a steely, silent look, and then said, anything else? And that, to me, if she doesn't get brought before a committee and investigated, we don't have justice in this country. But let's go back to your very first point. How can you have a Republican House and a Republican Senate and not bring in the Attorney General and the former president under oath and get each of them to describe what they were discussing? I mean, I think this was, in terms of why people are sick of Washington, the idea that they happen to be at the same airport. That the, this is, remember, four or five days before they're going to interview Secretary Clinton, which they did, by the way, not under oath. I mean, you go through this whole thing, and it's no wonder the average American is disgusted. Uh, as you know, I, I was just out at Ridgewood, New Jersey tonight uh, with, with my new book, uh, Understanding Trump, and had hundreds of people there. And the number of them who, who get everything you just said tonight and cannot understand why the Republicans are not standing up and fighting, uh, I think was, was startling to me how intense it is, how rapidly it's spreading, for example. That, that Mueller, there are actually four people he's hired who donated to the Democrats. One of them worked for the Clinton Foundation. Uh, one of them, by the way... You know what she did for the Clinton Foundation? She was fighting Freedom of Information Act requests right. as it relates to the Clinton Foundation. And wow, another how one did she of them, get on this? Look, another one of them cheated and refused to give the defense information it should have in two major cases, Enron and Arthur Anderson. That lawyer helped destroy 85,000 jobs, and later, when it was too late, the Supreme Court voted 9-0 to zero that what he had done was wrong. Now, when Mueller assumed, you know, my, my point earlier today was, you know, if Mueller wanted to prove he was reasonable, let's, let's cut a deal. You have to hire one pro-Trump lawyer for every anti-Trump lawyer. And let's see whether or not he's willing to actually do that. But I, I had a former, you know, I, I had a news person today say to me, well, are you suggesting, maybe he just hired the four best people in the country. And I said, let me get this straight. You believe there's no Republican <laughs> lawyer capable of being on that team? I mean, this is the mindset of the elite media that I think just tells you how sick the system is. All right, but there's three things here, and I got to go to break. And one is it's Colby's best friend, the special the special uh, uh, counsel. Number two hires Clinton's lawyer for the Clinton Foundation, who is fighting freedom of information requests. You forgot to mention that a number of them are also Obama Clinton donors, and it gets worse. All right. By the way, uh, Speaker Gingrich has a brand new book out. It's on Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Understanding Trump will ask. And we'll have a uh, second clip in there uh, later. But, yeah, I don't know if anyone here uh, listening on the call, whether, of course, you're live or or through uh, the podcast here, is that, I mean, he really did take it to him. He basically said to him, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, is, hey, you know, I've been working for the the Congress or government for 35 years, and for you you to suggest, that I'm some kind of, you know, spy uh, for the Russians is absolutely ridiculous after all these years or 
You know, it's, it's, it is, and it is just ridiculous. I mean, when you put it in that context, you know, it really is ridiculous to think that Jeff Sessions uh, somehow is colluding or, or some kind of agent. You know, I don't know if there's far saying that he's an agent of the Russians, but to just try to link, you know, Sessions with, you know, with the Russians after, and, and he's pointed, pointed out all the years he's, you know, he's been in government, you know, it, it's, for them, it just, it is, it is pretty preposterous. Uh, and I was trying to find uh, the, the the name of the uh, the lawyer to talk about, and perhaps by the end of the night we'll find out. Uh, we'll get the name on who that was. Who was actually worked for the uh, the Clinton Foundation. Uh, but I find that all <laughs> unreal. And that, they also made a point uh, that, as you can recall, I said earlier on the show, on a different show, and that is. You know, hey, how can Mueller be in? And I said this, you know, before he even started hiring these these other people. I said, well, wait a minute, him and Comey are friends. How can you say someone who's going to be independent, someone who's going to be, uh, you know, not have any kind of conflict of interest, you know, with, with looking into these things, doing these investigations? When he's a good friend, when he's a good friend of Comey, uh, of course he's going to do that. I mean, for them to think that he's going to be beyond reproach uh, is ridiculous. I mean, remember they they thought about, uh, you know, they thought the same thing uh, with with Comey, and and I actually got an article here that I'll be uh, reading after the clip, you know, pending on you know some of the other leaks. Now, of course, we know it came out in Comey's testimony is that he admits. You know, in a way to leaking, you know, information out, uh, you know, to the to the Times to, to try to get this this uh, special prosecutor, or special counselor, or whatever they want to hear it, and and we'll, we'll touch base on on more of those leaks as well. So, I mean, he admitted doing it. So, I wonder what kind of jeopardy he could be putting himself in uh, legally, because, to my understanding, not only is the leaking could possibly be illegal. But if he actually thought that, you know, what Trump was doing was, uh, you know, obstruction of justice, I mean, he had some superiors that he was supposed to uh, report to that he didn't. And uh, it makes me wonder if that's going to be pursued on, you know, you know against Comey. Uh, so that, that remains to be, you know, that remains to be seen. And so we, uh, you know, I mean, and then also, you know, is the thing with is Hillary Clinton going to be coming back with her email? Uh, so all these are coming to the, the fore, and you know, as they mentioned with these weak Republicans, and we'll you know play more in in the second clip, is that you know they're not doing anything. I mean, all this is stuff that we've you know we've said here. You know, the, the Republicans they've got the House, they've got the Congress, they got Senate, right? I mean, why, no, I mean the, the House, Senate, and the presidency. Why aren't they doing anything? You would think that you know they would actually show that they have power, but they're not. And I I I really have a loss of understanding what that is either i mean i know that the you know the mainstream media and unfortunately i mean let's be honest the the liberal media completely outweighs you know the conservative media when it comes to you know just the sheer volume of you know maybe not quite so talk shows but i mean tv shows your your, your non-cable shows which are liberal bent your radio shows I mean, there's not very many, you know, there's, you know, there's some stations, but then you have like around here, uh, well, probably out here is NPR. I've talked to a friend today and of course, and we're going to talk more about this when we talk about the emoluments clause. And I'm, I'm hoping Kelly could tell us more about that. 
Uh, but, you know, she was, you know, mentioned, oh, well, I think Trump, uh, we're going to mention this more, oh, I think Trump needs to diversify his, you know, his holdings and, and things of that nature. And we'll talk more about that. Uh, but anyway, I'm getting too, too far ahead. But anyway, so we've got, uh, you know, where you, you've got friends, let's, you know, go back. we got friends of Comey, you know, Mueller's a friend of Comey. Now he's, you know, just hired all these Democrats, you know, or Hillary Clinton supporters or, you know, you know, worked for the, the Clinton Foundation. It's like, how do you expect to get supposedly, you know, an independent <laughs> – think about it, independent counsel, he's, uh, he's his good friend. I mean, that's, that's laughable. Uh, but anyway, as I promised, because I don't want to keep it, uh, I do have that uh, second audio clip, uh, and then I've got some articles. And if anyone would like to chime in uh, so far – uh, go ahead and then uh, <laughs> Carolyn in the chat and welcome Carolyn. Uh, what a day, geez! And I, I wonder if you're talking about we when we open up the show about uh, the shooting that happened in D.C. You know, all, with all those uh, Republicans. I mean, I don't know if you heard. You may have. I mean, the guy actually asked two people who were playing on the field, and then five ten minutes later, after five ten minutes later after. Uh, you know, someone told him, you know, he's, he's, he's shooting through these, uh, you know, you know, shooting at him. And so now luckily, as I said, no one, yep, that's what Carolyn's talking about. Uh, luckily, no one was hurt. Well, I can't say hurt, killed. Uh, there were, you know, people, that, well, the gunman was killed, but that's, you know, he's a no one. <laughs> but anyway, uh, man, it just, it's, it's just coming out of the woodwork. It really is. Um, and so, but as promised, uh, let me go ahead and uh, play that second part uh, of the audio tonight. Mr. President, I, I think about what, what you just heard there, and the president's attorney mentioned that this week, the selective leaks to damage the president. To me, if the Obama holdovers aren't removed now, if the deep state, those that have been leaking, aren't dealt with and prosecuted now, and the, and the attorney general mentioned just one prosecution, but there are others, and I think at a much higher level. To me, they got a minnow, and they really need to get the great whites. I don't think this ever ends for the president, and he doesn't get the. I'm glad I could make you. La- I'm glad I could make you laugh. You like a very colorful analogy. Well, no, but if we don't get these top people, it's dangerous. But this. But let me be clear. This is not about the president or getting the president. I, I agree with General Kelly, the, the Secretary of Homeland Security, who said about a week ago. Many of these verge on treason. I mean, this is about the survival and the safety of the United States of America and the people of the United States. I don't care if you're pro-Trump or you're anti-Trump. There is no excuse for people taking on themselves the right to take secrets and release them. And candidly, there's no excuse for the news media picking them up and printing them. Uh, We've gotten into this entire cycle of, I think, unpatriotic behavior in which people are utterly irresponsible. And I think they should be prosecuted. I think it should be aggressive and vigorous. Uh, And I I frankly think, for example, everybody in the White House should have to go through a session on what the secrecy laws are. I think all new political appointees should have to go through a session on what the secrecy laws are and what the consequences will be if you violate them. You know, we know crimes were committed. One was committed against General Flynn in a violation of the Espionage Act. We know these leaks, with all of this raw intelligence, they're all illegal acts. 
And I'm looking at Robert Mueller, and I'm, I see similarities to Patrick Fitzgerald, who knew on day one it was Richard Armitage. What, what did that go on for, three years? Here Mueller knows today there's no obstruction. Here he knows today the president was not involved in collusion. Here he knows today that he wasn't being investigated. And he's hiring all of these Obama, Clinton, supporters, donors, and even Clinton's attorney to go well, after the president? How This is bad. And well, and remember who appoints Fitzpatrick. It's James Comey, who at that time is an assistant attorney general. And he knows when he does it. He knows that Richard Armitage of the State Department was the leak. He knows that none of it was illegal. There was no crime involved. And he appoints Fitzpatrick anyway. Fitzpatrick then says to Armitage, be quiet. And he goes after Dick Cheney's chief of staff, Scooter Libby, because what he wants to do is coerce Libby into turning on the vice president. And Libby, who's and an honorable man, trial. refuses to do so. And, that's and, why, and, that's so why that's I worry danger. about the team that Mueller's assembling. I don't think they're going to get Trump, but I, would, I think they're going to get other people because when you're involved in this kind of criminal investigation, people who have the power of the government can set you up for all sorts of secondary charges and can ruin your life and can bankrupt you hiring lawyers, and I think this Mr. is a Speaker, bad deal. This is a bad deal. I think there's great danger here. There's also investigative creep, as we call it. He starts out investigating right. one thing. It goes on for three years. He ends up with somebody falling into a perjury trap because they didn't remember. They made a mistake. Nobody gets to revise and extend their remarks, if you will. So the question is, what do Republicans do now, knowing there's no obstruction, knowing there's no collusion? I think, Shouldn't this I be think, shut down? Look, I think the two, the two intelligence committees have an easy task. You bring in Mueller. And you say to him, how often did you talk with Comey? How often did you swap information with Comey? Did you review Comey's testimony before he gave it? How many of Comey's uh, various memos did you get out, out of regular order? I mean, I think you start with this whole question. I, I, I was initially in favor of Mueller, and I, given his past record, I initially I, I tweeted favorable things, but the minute... Comey explained with enormous arrogance that he had deliberately leaked a memo for the purpose of forcing a special counsel who just happens That's to it. be his close friend. From that you minute know, on, I thought, the fix is in and this is really sick. I want to go back to one of the earlier questions I asked you tonight, and that was the, the, the five different groups that I argue were after Trump, starting with the deep state. And I want to tie it to something you have this new book out today, and I think you, you have probably the keenest insight. Nobody thought that Trump would beat 16 other people in a primary. The media never thought that Donald Trump would be president. They're still in a state of shock, but there's also a state of anger and revenge that has emerged. And now it's about them, as you've described in this program before, them waking up every day. And how can we, how can we destroy him now? Now, in the process, the American people are being hurt the millions in poverty on food stamps out of the labor force. Well, that's true. And it hit me today trying to explain, when you look at, at, at a tax-paid play in New York City, which has the assassination of the president and the first lady, when you look at a so-called comedian holding the head of the president bleeding, the, the closest analogy I can come to is Arthur Miller's great play, The Crucible, which is about the witchcraft trials in Salem in the late 17th century. And it's that kind of mood. That's a play about mass hysteria. 
It's a play about people who suddenly decided that their neighbors were rich of witches and had to be burned at the stake. You're seeing a, an entire process of psychological dislocation on the left leading to behaviors that no reasonable person, I, I even find now liberal reporters beginning to flinch uh, when, when, they, when they see things like this play where the president is assassinated and the first lady is assassinated. Uh, there's a sickness. That's a, and when you look at, at Kathy Grant and, and her uh, holding up the president's head, there's a sickness out there that's beginning to sink into people and they begin to realize how really bad it is. And I think you're even going to see moderate liberals begin to split away and say, that's crazy and you got to quit doing it. But that's you know, the move I, I that would like to agree me. with you. I respectfully disagree. There's mm -hmm. no evidence. It gets worse and worse. You know, imagine for almost 11 months now, the media just lying to the American people yeah. with no evidence. The people on that very committee today say no evidence of collusion and sanctimoniously, you know, creating smoke where there is none. But all right, it's called Understanding Trump, bookstores everywhere, Amazon.com. Mr. Speaker, thanks for being with Thank us. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Okay, folks, and, and one of the things that, you know, keep, you know, we keep bringing up is, and, and there's, a, you know, of course, there's a point there where they're just going to keep this thing, you know, with the, the Russian collusion. I mean, it's been going on for 11 months, 11 months, and still no evidence, you know. I, I mean, and then they're going to try to drag this out throughout uh, his whole, whether it's this or something else, throughout his whole presidency. I mean, it, it, this is absolutely ridiculous. If they try to you know, do all this stuff uh, to Obama, but you know how that would work out. Uh, you know, and look, and look at the Iran-Contra affair. I mean, that lasted for what seven years. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, so it's just going to keep going on and on. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, we, ha I, I, I don't want to say ignore it. I really don't. Susan, I see on the line now. I'll get you in uh, shortly, and then I've got the uh, this article here uh, that I want to get want us to get to, but. You know, it's 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 it's. Oh, see, I broke my my train of thought when I do that. Uh, but yeah, anyway. So you know, it's going to keep going. But and I don't want to say that that I want to ignore. You know, ignore these things coming up because it is important. And they are just going to keep coming. They are keep coming. And, and unfortunately, people are going to be paying attention to it. But it's going to be very hard to get you know the work of the people done by having this distraction. And and it's going to be exhausting too, and and that's going to be what what their point is. I think you know for those who support Trump, I think it's just going to get exhausting, you know. And I think that's what they want to do is just exhaust the Trump supporters and say, gosh, you know, enough is enough, because they don't want to see Trump in there because they do not uh, want to see a uh, someone who's not a politician. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, as well, more later in, in the next segment, we're going to be talking about what some uh, lawsuits for the emoluments clause and things of that nature uh, will be talked about later on tonight. You know, but we're, what they're trying to do, I mean, they just they just can't feel like they ha can have it. Uh, and so we're going to have to keep fighting, fighting, fighting. But eventually, I think what they're wanting to do is just keep this stuff up so we, you know, could just get worn down. Not, not only just a, a distraction, but just worn down and once again is they they don't want us to you know to pay attention anymore to what them actually see i think it's a smoke and mirrors we'll talk about you know you know smoke when there's no fire but uh here there's smoke and the fire you know because we, we want to they want to hide they're, they're causing 
smoke because they want to hide what they're doing, and that's what they've been doing for uh, quite some time is keeping us distracted, keeping us divided, because if, as long as we the people are divided, uh, you know, we're not going to be keeping an eye on what, you know, the government is, you know, doing uh, to us. And, of course, we're talking, you know, a lot about the globalists. We, we've talked about those before. But let's go ahead and get Susan on and get her take. Thank you very much, Susan, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm fine. Can you hear me? I can hear you good. Oh, okay. Um, well, I just briefly read what you had said this talk was about tonight. Um, so do you know what John McCain said? I've got to find the article. but He's crazy. He's literally crazy. No, oh, he's he, he's he's lost it. I think he's lost it ever since he lost the uh, election in 2008. Well, he has come out, and I don't know if you read this or not, and I'm standing down to find it right now because I just got on the computer into my group. And um, he literally accused Rand Paul of colluding with the Russians. Oh, that's I was furious. There is no one who is a better American than Rand Paul as far as politicians. Well, Ron, obviously, was but even better than Rand, I think. But um, uh, here it is. I have to agree with it you on that one. From, it was from uh, personal liberty, John McCain's scary world, and uh, I, I, I'm stunned that he would. And then he he said that Rand Paul has no influence in Congress, none at all. He said this. <laughs> what? Are you yes, sure that, that's what? Uh, uh, you know, I don't think he's running again, which I'm I'm, I'm glad for, but. And a part of wish, part of me wish is, wishes he would have ran again, so that someone could defeat him in a primary. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I put down he was the biggest idiot in our Senate today, worse than Waters, Pelosi, Feinstein, and oh, it hurt me to say that. But you know, I mean, I've never even heard them talk about Rand Paul that way. Even Hillary applauded, well, not Rand, but Ron. You know, she admired him. And uh, no, honestly, I was. Well, he's got integrity that she would never possess. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But collaborating with the Russians, okay. Didn't even say that was with Trump. He just said he collaborated with him. And I'm just like, what the? You know, I I mean, what else do you expect me to say or think? I mean, you know how I feel about Rand and Ron Paul. And I, I'm done with it. I never voted for him when he ran for president. I didn't. I've never supported him. I think he's a fraud, a liar, a traitor. I don't believe he. You know, I think he was a songbird when he said that he was. Uh, he's actually a hero. I don't. I believe he told them stuff. I. I don't believe he was a hero in any way, shape, or form. I don't believe it. Well, well, and, and well, here's another thing. Remember, he's still—I think he's still ass hurt from from when uh, Trump said that uh, 
you know, I, I prefer soldiers who don't get caught or, or something like that. Um, I think he's still butthurt. I should you know, I think he's still butthurt from that. And now he's trying to, you know, get his little bit of revenge since his, his, his time's running out. Uh, but you know, I mean, time running out because he's not giving Congress. <laughs> I mean, I've said it any longer if he, if he doesn't run. And I, I actually don't think that he is. Um, well, I hope he But doesn't. I think he's still but Well, I mean, I didn't lie. I mean, I voted for him in 2012. I voted when well, I voted for Palin. I didn't really vote for him. I never liked him. Uh, I, you know, I, I always hoped that in 2008 Gingrich would have ran then. But go ahead. I said I was going to say shame on you, voting <laughs> for McCain. <laughs> well, it's good. I, I was a staunch Republican back. I was a staunch. I was a staunch, dynamic, follow the line Republican back then, uh, and I was like that from the time I was ten years old to uh, to 2012. I mean, I was a you know card carrying Republican, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, I held my nose and voted for him, but I mean, after 2012, that that changed certainly. That that that's good. I was like, what? <laughs> oh yeah, they yeah. Used to, he you know, well, when I, I was a kid, they used to. Oh yeah, you, well, you remember Michael Keaton, right, from the Family Ties? I think that the TV show was. Yeah. Yeah, people. Yeah, people kind of referred me to hit like being like him, so. <laughs> Well, he said, I don't react to Senator Paul. We're different. He doesn't have any real influence in the United States Senate. No, he doesn't have, but he has, but at least he hasn't been involved in influencing every bad foreign policy like McCain has. And McCain is the one who was singing in 2007 during a campaign stop. He sang for the crowd. You want to know what he sang? Bomb, 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 bomb. I ran to the tune of the Beach Boys' Barbara Ann. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we, well, let me tell you something. I'm going to backtrack just a little bit about this bombing Iran. And I tell you what, and, and you know, I, and I'm not, I'm not real hawkish. And, you know, and I'm not, uh, you know, not much for spending, you know, our, our money and treasure you know, blood on, on wars and stuff, as you guys know, I'd rather have to be spending that money on the space program. But I tell you what, that, that whole shock and all thing in Iran, I tell you what, if we ever have something over here like what they did in, uh, in England, you know, with those, that Ariano, you know, Ariano Grande concert with those little girls, that guy blowing themselves up, I'd say, look, I think we've had it. We're done. All of you people who know you're not doing a damn thing about, you know, you know about the terrorists. We're just going to carpet bomb your your country with with no air bombs until you're a pile of dust and glass. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, I now digress. The problem is, that's how I kind of feel about the problem, that. The problem is, if we hadn't knocked Shaw out, so who's to really to blame for all this nonsense going on there? Ultimately, uh, well, I don't ca- I don't care. I mean, we'll get into a little debate here, but I don't care whose fault it is. I really don't care. I don't care. If they come over here and they're killing our little girls, we better destroy their, you know, like, you know, well, blowing themselves up, killing our little girls like that. We need to go there and, you know, F them up. Yes, I, understand, <laughs> I can't say I that, but, that, but, I'm not any but we should but. never have interfered to begin with. We should never have knocked him out of there. Everything was great pretty much in the Middle East with Sudat and there and him and – 
No, we have to meddle. We just have to meddle. But anyway, here's what he said. McCain accused Senator Paul of working for Vladimir Putin because the Kentucky Republican objected to an attempt to bring Montenegro, that's the name of a country, Montenegro, into NATO, despite the small corrupt country having no strategic value to the U.S. There you go. So, uh, so we were working with uh, Vladimir Putin. Okay. Oh my goodness. You can just have him. <laughs> He's not anyone I recognize. And when Trump said today, and I, I, I do feel for anybody who was shot at or shot. But the thing is, Trump made the comment: anybody who serves in Congress loves their country. Bullard. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. <laughs> yeah. Not everybody who works in Congress loves their country. They're there for the money, nah, the power. I don't, I don't think so. He was just saying that to put stab on the whatever. Uh, make it, make, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that was kind of PC that. of him, which is, which I'm like, what? <laughs> there you go. So I just had to throw that in that I. I do not believe McCain loves his country. If he does, it's... And they kept... Everybody kept calling us a democracy, and I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> this is not a democracy. But, you know, what do you, what do, you do when people are not educated, I guess, on things? So hmm. that's all I Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> but, but anyways, yeah, so, you know, back, back to the whole, you know, the, the, the Comey here is that, uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, the leaks and things of that nature. And, and, and you know, as we stated, I mean, he... Admit it, you know that they leaked because he wanted to get the, the special uh, counsel, you know, prosecutor or whatever. Um, and, you know, and you, you've heard all the time where you know people talk about all, well, at least prior to this, you know, about you know always his character is beyond reproach. You know, he's, you know, you know you can't you know say anything about him. He's you know such an upstanding, you know, you know whatever. But they've got a even kind of a little timeline here uh, that I got this article here. It's not too long, um, but we'll go ahead and it kind of timeline things out. Uh, it says, uh, and this is a uh, an article uh, that you can actually find from the uh, Bard's Logic Political Talk newsroom at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, so you can check that out. You can also subscribe to the newsroom. Uh, so that you can get the weekly updates. I believe it's on Tuesday evening when uh, the page has new articles on there. Uh, so you can access the, uh, those. It says, President Trump's legal team may be prepared to show a trail of leaks to the New York Times by former FBI Director James Comey dating back to at least March and a pair of complaints set to be filed to the Justice Department Inspector General and Senate Judiciary Committee, a source close to the team told Fox News. An independent Fox News review of the New York Times reporting dating back to January reveals a host of stories sourced from top FBI and DOJ officials or those privy to their conversations. That either paint Comey in a positive light or push a message he was unable to personally disclose. Though Comey told the Senate Judiciary Committee on May 3rd uh, he'd never been or directed another FBI official to be an anonymous source for news reports 
about the Trump and the Hillary Clinton investigations, the then-FBI chief did not deny orchestrating leaks, using, for instance, an old friend who works at Columbia University or providing the information to a wide enough group to ensure it would leak. And in references to a separate case, he acknowledged sending his infamous letter uh, to lawmakers last fall announcing a revival of the Clinton email probe, knowing full well what they do. And a quote, uh, did I know they were really going to leak it? Of course. I know how Congress works. Comey, who was fired by Trump in May, was open about at least one leak in testimony last Thursday. He admitted to using an ex-U.S. attorney later identified as Columbia University professor Daniel Richmond to leak to the Times the contents of alleged memos Comey wrote about his one-on-one interactions with Trump. He was not asked if he ever used Richmond on other occasions. However, Richmond is mentioned in 151 results in a New York Times search dating back to 1993, which 11 of those articles also featuring Comey and six of them being authored by Michael S. Schmidt, who later wrote the Comey memo story, which Comey told Congress he directed to Richmond to leak. And dating back to – and then it has a different dates of when he uh, could have uh, leaked other uh, ones. Well, one is such, and I ask here, that January 10th, the Times reports on Comey-Trump dossier meeting – citing two officials with knowledge of the briefing. More inside the FBI information also exists in the article, including when the FBI first became aware of the dossier and troubles, uh, uh, troubles agents had confirming the document's details. So let's say this memo, let's go back to the memo where Comey wanted to get the special counselor. Okay. Now, if he indeed thought that Trump was going to uh, – or, or was trying to do some kind of obstructive justice or you know, obstruct the investigation, it's his duty. And we probably have heard you know, by now and all know this, that it's his duty to report that to his superiors, you know, but he didn't. So one of the things I think uh, we should look for or at least you know, talk about and maybe even promote is, hey – why? When is someone going to? No, I really. I'll be honest, folks. I mean, unless there's an upwave of people demanding this, I really don't see it happening. Is someone to go after Comey with criminal charges? Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. Do I think it should happen? I think it should be possible. I think it should be looked into. Heck, at least investigated. Because I mean, heck, they're investigating everything else. Uh, but if he indeed, <laughs> indeed. Uh, you know, not do what he was so charged to do, then that that actually is a felony. And once again, we come back to what we you know we talk about, and you know there being that two tier justice. That's probably more than two tiered actually. I, I think some other folks would argue that uh, more than a two tier justice system where it doesn't apply uh, to uh, to others. Uh, and so, sounds like Comey may be one of them. I don't know how much of a push, because you're not going to hear about it really much in the media, especially in the mainstream, uh, you know, medium. And, and I mean, 
I hate to use the term mainstream because it's not like there's the only media out there, but unfortunately, uh, they still, you know, cover the vast bulk uh, of, of media outlets, you know, have that, that liberal bent uh, to them, uh, mostly on, you know, on TV and, and, and on the – and especially – I mean, if you're, if you're looking at a non-cable station, you know, I mean, it's all liberal. So for all those folks who, you know, do not have, you know, any kind of cable or satellite or anything of that nature, think of it this way. And now, of course, we know those numbers are dwindling. But, you know, put it this way, those folks are, you know, that's all they get. That's all they get because you're not going to see any, you know, conservative, I guess you could say, uh, commentary or analysis of anything going on with, with, with these things surrounding Trump from your local news. You know, I mean, let's be honest, I mean, Fox News is probably the only uh, media outlet out there, at least on TV, that isn't 24-7, you know, pushing, you know, bad bad stuff about Trump all day long. I mean, it's just not. And, and is it taking effect? Well, if you believe the poll numbers, it is. Uh, now, the, not that I know if I necessarily uh, believe those polls. Uh, but anyway, I mean, look what the polls said with the election. But anyway, to uh, the other leak that we may not uh, have heard uh, or been aware of uh, that uh, have possibilities. It says, uh, let's see, we started here uh, January 10th and then January 24th, uh, and this is this year. Uh, though Trump hadn't made an official announcement, and notice this is all the Times, it seems like, you know. So the Times reports Comey would be staying on as FBI director. And remember when he was even in front of these, uh, these folks saying, oh, I'm going to be around for 10 more years. Uh, well, <laughs> any or eight more years, I think he said. But anyway, uh, that didn't happen. But it goes, uh, Comey had reportedly told a large group about the news and the special agents in charge from across the nation. Trump's request that Comey remain on allegedly allegedly occurred during the January 6th Trump Tower meeting. Schmidt wrote the story. Now there's Schmidt again. And then again on February 24th. Uh, says following a CNN report about contacts between Trump associates and Russia, the Times reports the same day that both Comey and Deputy FBI Director Andrew McCabe allegedly called White House Chief of Staff Rince Pubis. I mean, Rince Priebus. I couldn't help myself. I'm not a big Priebus fan, but anyway, <laughs> Chief of Staff uh, Rince Priebus. To assure him that CNN report was false, Priebus asked the FBI leaders if they could refute the report in public, though they both declined. When the reports, uh, when the reported calls between the FBI officials and Pubis, I mean Priebus, surfaces, Trump is infuriated and tweets that the FBI needs to work aggressively uh, to stop the leaks. And, you know, of course, this goes on until he, you know, he gets fired. Uh, and so March 1st, uh, a DOJ official confirms to The Times that Attorney General Justice Sessions had a pair of conversations with Russian officials, Sergei Kislyak, despite Sessions' January 10th testimony that he hadn't had any contact with Russians in a campaign capacity. News and the ensuing firestorm 
leads to Sessions recusing himself from the Russian investigation. And, and I'm going to backtrack here just a moment on that. And I'll, that's why it's coming. I mean, for those who watched uh, the session, you know, the sessions in front of the Congress. I mean, I watched part of it, but you know, after he recuses himself and finally stands up for himself, it's about damn time. And I think the Republicans, you know, should follow suit because it's like, look, you're not acting. And we've said this many times. You guys know, girls know, is. The Republicans are not acting like they're, they're they're in power. They are, and the people voted. They voted the majority, obviously Republican. You know, so act like it. You know, don't be afraid to shove your weight around. That's how you know how I see it. Don't be afraid to do that. But uh, the bill, but it, it was good to see Sessions. I mean, I don't think he should have recused himself at all. I think that showed weakness and maybe even you know. Hinted at, you know, okay, well, what, what's going on? Why'd they do this? They make it look suspicious. I don't think that's ever, you know, a, a wise thing to do. But he did uh, because I think they, you know, they're just so used to backing down. Uh, but perhaps uh, when, you know, he was testifying the other day, you know, I don't know. Well, well I'm sure we'll hear more, hear more later as to why. But I mean, he, as, as I said, if you missed this earlier, uh, and he made good sense. He said, look, you know, to, to try to say that I'm, you know, after 25, 35 years, you know, of service decided to, you know, take on with the Russians. And that's not what he said, but that's, you know, in essence what he said. Then, then you're nuts, you know. And so and I, I believe we've got uh, Nosh on the line, and we are going to get you in uh, shortly, Nosh, uh, uh, for that. Let's go ahead. We'll get to, to one more date, and then we'll we'll bring in Nosh. It says, and then on March March fourth, Trump infam- infamously tweets that his phones have been tapped at Trump Tower by the administration uh, during the transition. A senior law official, uh, enforcement official from the Obama administration, tells the Times. See, it's always the Times makes you wonder uh, that Trump claims a hundred percent untrue. Schmidt. Contributed to the story, and we've—I mean—it goes on, and as you know, as I said in a timeline, and we may go over all those. But first, let's go ahead and bring in Nosh. Thank you very much, Nosh, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, how y'all doing, man? Good, good, good to have you back on. Yes, indeed. Interesting times, (laughs) y'all. Yes, it is. And did you see any of the testimonies, either Kermes or, or Sessions? Yeah, yeah, I saw both of them. Uh, well, the, the interesting thing about that is you got two lawmen, basically, who are determined not only to protect themselves, but to protect uh, the cases that they know are coming down later. So you see them acting in a way to where they don't want anything to be uh, sabotaged. And, you know, they they take real copious notes and they try to handle things in that way. Now, the, the opposite side, the opposition, is trying to push them to say something that could actually, you know, expose something or uh, push them in a corner they don't want to be in. So, you know, it's just kind of <laughs> this little fencing game you kind of see going back and forth. But mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a good analogy uh, there, fencing. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, the, the big thing I take away from all of this, though, is I, I'm kind of disappointed in, in Trump supporters getting upset at Comey and all of this. It's like, look, dude, you, you guys voted for somebody who doesn't have political experience. So he's going to make mistakes 
And the other side is waiting on him to make those mistakes to try to jump on him about it. So, I mean, you should got, you guys should just be ready for this. This is part for the course. He did not know that <laughs> yeah, it, it, it wasn't proper for him to sit in that room with Comey, Comey one-on-one and have conversations about things that they shouldn't have. It wasn't because Trump was trying to be malicious or trying to do some kind of grand strategy. He, he didn't know he shouldn't do that. And I think he had to be told afterwards. But the damage had already been done. Because Comey's, you know, like we said, the legal guy and an institution guy. So if he sees something that's outside of the norm, he immediately starts documenting. So, I mean, that's that's what we're seeing now. Yeah, but what about him, you know, trying to say there was obstructive justice, uh, obstruction of justice after the fact? Yeah, because that, that, that's an interesting one. Because, of course, if there's going to be obstruction of justice in a situation like that, they're not going to come out and just say it directly. So it's going to be veiled. But then at the same time, you say, okay, well, you're saying it's veiled, but how about this is really a non-starter? And he wasn't really trying to insinuate what you're saying. The only problem with that is the power dynamic. You have the office of the president and you're talking to an underling. So no matter what, that that's just not going to play well. And for you to sit, you know, set the scene to where it's you and him one-on-one, you're kicking everybody out of the room, you know, just bad I mean, yeah, the optics didn't look good. I'm, you know, I'm sure the optics didn't look good. Uh, but, you know, as we said earlier, I mean, if there was anything un- untoward uh, said, you know, I mean, that, it's actually his duty. Uh, and if not, by law, he has to or else that's a felony to report that to someone, and he didn't. So that could put Comey well, I mean, that that's one thing. It could put Comey in the hot seat. Yeah, but that's the other part, though, because this is the president. So, I mean, who do you tell? the people in his cabinet, the people who work for him, and then what does that case actually become? It doesn't become a case. It just becomes something that gets washed away. So if you're a legal guy like him, of course, I'm sure he looked up, you know, all the different ways where he could do this and uh, not have some kind of blowback later on. Because, I mm-hmm. mean, you saw how many times Cromie was, was trying to make sure that he wasn't messing up Mueller's case. And the fact that he he was really setting it to where, okay, Mueller's going to handle this. I'll be out, and we'll see what happens, you know, going down the line. So I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think anything was mistaken. And, and the Jeff Sessions thing is funny to me because people think when Jeff Sessions starts laying on the country accent real thick, they underestimate him when he does that, and he does that on purpose. This is a smart guy. I don't like him, but I know he's a smart guy <laughs> in a legal mind, and he's playing people by doing the all shuck stuff because they, they think he doesn't know or he's incompetent. No. He's playing you, and, you know, it's, it's a good strategy that a lot of Southerners use. If anybody's ever lived in the South, you know a lot of people will kind of they'll play slow for a bit. <laughs> no, I mean, but so, so you're Sessions, saying he, he knows he's more than what he's, get, uh, he's, he's putting on? No, not, I'm not talking about the Russia investigation. I'm talking about as far as just being questioned by, you know, playing up his accent. Uh, he could kind of get out of things he didn't want to answer and, you know, just play it up as, well, you know, I'm just a guy here, you know, I was just had a meeting. I don't know who was there. You know, that's oh, – he knows yeah, what okay. he's doing. I'll just say it like that. He's not uh, a fool. Okay, I got you on that. So, yeah, man, it was interesting. Okay. But it, we're in a weird space, man. We're in a reality TV political arena now to where like the Comey testimony unreal. was – you know, it, it was presented like the O.J. Simpson trial, and people were going to bars to watch it. And uh, we, I don't know. We're, we're really weird right now. 
as a country. <laughs> We're really weird. Well, because everything's on TV. I mean, everything's public. I mean, it's been a lot that for a while, but yeah, I mean, look at the. Uh, as I said, I mean, look, remember the. Uh, and I'm not trying to age any of us, uh, but remember, I mean, they constantly had on. I guess it was C-SPAN or something at the time. You know, the Iran Contra, and, they, and, then, and then they had uh, uh, what was that? Uh, that that Supreme Court Justice uh, um, Thomas. Clarence you know, they Thomas. Only, they his, yeah. His, yeah, Clarence, yeah, Clarence Thomas. I mean, they they constantly had his, that you know that on the television or people watch. No, I granted, I, people are going to bars to watch them. It's <laughs> like they are the Comey thing. Right. Maybe having some kind of watch parties or something on them, but but yeah. I, I saw a, a, a countdown clock on news stations like a football game, like a countdown oh, yeah. to kickoff. So, I mean, yeah. Well, we're, yeah, it's, we're it's in a weird like space. entertainment. It's distracting us almost, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, then you had the situation today to where, you know, you actually had somebody try to attack politicians. And, you know, I don't, I don't know, man, because I, I feel like, yeah, that happened. And it's not going to be the only one because the extremes are so extreme right now in this country. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing I don't – here's the thing that I don't think that many on the left understand. And I know we're getting a little off topic, but that's okay. We do that on this show. But here's one of the things about the left that – I mean – I don't like to use the term. Well, sometimes I do. I can't say I don't always like to use because sometimes I do because sometimes I think it's true. Uh, and that term is useful idiots. And, and I think – not all of them, but I think there are those out there, kind of like the guy who you know, was shooting at the politicians, who are, the, who are useful idiots. Okay? And what I mean by that is that – it's not even a Republican, Democrat thing, a right or left thing, is that – I don't think that those on the left, and even some on the right, I mean, and I think Paul Ryan may be part of this, and perhaps even John McCain. Okay, so I'm not just talking about Republican, Democrat. I'm talking more of, you know, your nationalists and your globalists. That's kind of the terms I'm talking about. Now, most of them are, most of them, in my opinion, are, are, are from the left or on the left uh, who are uh, globalists. Okay, and, and there are some right. I mean, certainly, as I said, Paul Ryan. I think uh, is one, and I, I think McCain is as well. Uh, but anyway, is that I, I don't by them supporting, you know, you know what's going on to to try to get rid of Trump basically, is that I think they don't realize. That I think there's the reason they do it because they think, oh my gosh, Trump's anti-gay. One, how even the gays are like against him. How can gays ever be against Trump? He's never said anything about gays. You know what I mean? I don't understand why gay, you know, gays would be against Trump. But actually, there was some kind of like gay rally or something that they renamed uh, their their rally to like the Resistance Rally or something like that. Normally, like a gay pride thing or something, but they changed it to the you know the Resist. You know, like let's resist Trump or or love Trump's hate or whatever the hell it is. You know, but it's like yeah, but but I, I, I mean think, most of most of the gay on. community is on the left, so it makes sense for them to be against Trump. You know what I mean? Like I'm not surprised by that action, but I, I do think uh, but, like you're talking about the extremes that end up hurting their own their cause. Go ahead. Yeah, but, well, that shooter he ends up hurting his own cause, and you know some of the things Paul Ryan says. What does he do? He ends up hurting his own cause. So I, I definitely agree with you on that. The useful idiot term because. <laughs> These people push these extremes, and then they look around and realize nobody's with them because the majority <laughs> of people don't agree with the extreme position they're taking. 
Like right now, the Republicans have a health care bill that they can't roll out because it would be extremely unpopular. And if people look at the numbers, people are going to be upset. So they're trying to do it in secret meetings and just try to roll it out as is uh, without getting a consensus. Now, they can do it, but who's it going to hurt? Trump, which is why Trump came out yesterday and said, I don't know. I think this bill might be a, too, a little too mean. So he has a problem with his own party because his party oh, yeah. wants to do some some old archaic stuff that he never signed on to. Trumpism is not tied to the Republican Party's values, no. and they feel like they can use him while they have all chambers of power. And he's kind of bucking back on that a little bit. So it's, it's a lot going on. Well, you know, yeah, and I agree with the, with the parties. He's not a part of the. It's not really his party. I mean, yeah, he he ran as a Republican. I don't see him as a Republican. You know, I, I see him as a populist. I mean, if we had to put some kind of moniker on him, I, I would I would definitely you know, say more. He's a, he's a populist, and that's what I'm talking about. You know, with this this right left paradigm is, and, and and as I said, most of them I think are on the on the left who are opposing Trump. But I think that they're, they're I think they're opposing Trump. You know, based on their own one issue, uh, the, their own singular issue. Cause, I mean, uh, uh, the, the Democrat Party, you know, is kind of a conglomerate of you know everyone with their own, you know, whether it's the, you know, the environmentalists or, who which they don't know they're being used, you know, and then you have you know your gay community and your other you know communities and this you know that, um, you know the, but I what my point is. Is I think that by opposing Trump, they're not realizing they're helping out the globalists. I think they're, they they hate Trump, not realizing that by going against Trump, they're they're going against populism, and I don't think they see it that way. And I think they're going against nationalism. I think they're going against their own sovereignty. I don't think a lot. I think I think most of them don't see that when they oppose Trump. I think they are just uh, you know opposing to their own individual ideology and not seeing you know the much larger picture. Yeah, well, I, I don't know, because that, that's a tough one, though, because think about what Trump has laid out, what he said since he's been president. What there is for what is there for the left on Trump's side to say, oh, OK, I agree with this guy on this or I can work with this guy on this. It's really not much there. So, I mean, if, if he's not extending that olive branch, then, of course, there's going to be opposition. But I, I think the, the biggest mistake everybody's making is I think people think the Democratic Party wants Trump out. I don't think they do at all. I think they just want to damage Trump to the point of where he's ineffective and, you know, they, they win in 2018 and he doesn't want to run again in 2020 and the Republican Party brand is damaged. So that's why you see so much smoke around the Russia thing, but you never see any fire. You never get the, the full magic bullet on Trump was complicit with Russia because they don't have it. So they just constantly one. keep yeah, keep one. blowing the smoke. <laughs> well, well, look, if you're Russia and you're trying to run some kind of secret plan, who is the last person on earth who you would tell about this secret plan and conspiracy you want to run? The man who talks too much, Donald Trump. So, yeah, of course they're not <laughs> telling Trump if they were planning something. Would you? <laughs> yeah. But, and I think, the, I mean, this whole Russian thing, I mean, I, I think the Russians are, are, are laughing at us. And, and, well, and then, you know, there was a, let me look back in chat. And that was a point Carolyn made in chat. She was like, well, uh, and welcome, Cindy. It's good to see you in there as well. Uh, but she said, you mean, did Obama, did he, did he extend, a, uh, you know, an olive branch when he was president? He certainly did not. I mean, he was, it was even Obama who said uh, – no, and, and let me make this disclaimer. I don't hate Obama nearly as much as a lot of the people who 
you know, I talked with and stuff, hated Obama. I mean, there's people who had a visceral hatred of Obama, you know, which I never had. I mean, I never hated the guy. I, I didn't like his policies. I didn't like a lot of what he did and said, but I didn't hate the guy. Now, Hillary Clinton, I hated her. <laughs> I hated Hillary Clinton with, oh, my gosh, I hated her. And I just it just galled me to think that someone as corrupt as her could possibly be awarded with the presidency of the United States just burned my ass. Excuse my French, but um, oh my gosh. I mean, I, I, I don't hate very many people, but Hillary Clinton, I just hate. But anyway, I still do. I'm so glad they burned. Well, well, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll take that Obama point to his logical conclusion, though. He had all chambers of power uh, for two years, still didn't get anything done. And then after that, he faced historic opposition. Because he didn't have anything for the other side. So, so think about it. Think about it. His, his, well, we got uh, some backlash. We got some. Uh, yeah, I don't know who that is. Feedback. Yeah, who's that in the back? Whoa! Wow! Yeah, I don't know who that is, man. Yeah, but but so so think about it with Obama. I think, I think We're talking about the same. You, uh, Susan, I'm, real real quick, Dodge. I think that might have been you, Susan. I'm, I muted the mic, but I am going to bring it back in because as soon as I got rid of that, we did. Let me try something real quick. Real quick, Nosh. Okay, let's see if it's still there. Nope, it's gone. Okay, Susan, your mic's back on, but I had to try that. All right, go ahead, Nosh. Yeah, so think about it with Obama. He didn't get all the things he wanted to get passed, and everything he did get passed had to be watered down uh, to the point of where it wasn't what he wanted because of the opposition from the other side, because he didn't extend that olive branch. So we're talking about the same thing, gridlock and basically Congress uh, having historically low ratings and a president uh, just hoping to get some landmark legislation passed, but it's, go- it's not going to be what he wants it to be. So uh, the, the Trump administration is looking similar to the Obama administration just on the other side. So um, despite all the bragging Obama did, how much policy did he really get passed? You see what I mean? <laughs> Well, I mean, foreign policy, I think, unfortunately, got a lot done. I mean, one of the things, you know, I remember the the, the missile shield that, you know, that's not a whole policy, but, you know, like uh, the missile shield that was in Poland that, you know, we we had. Uh, now, of course, we still do have Guantanamo Bay, and that was a big, that was a big thing for him, right? Um, mm-hmm. That we still have that. Um, oh, yeah. I, I tell, All I mean, those campaign I mean, promises Obama thing. made. <laughs> Shut down Gitmo. <laughs> Keep the shit. Yeah. Well, I do yeah. like. Uh, well, I tell you what, and people, uh, people may even you know hang up on me or may not even listen to my show anymore. Um, but I am going to say this about Obama. Not all of it. Let me make this disclaimer. Not all of it. But I really liked his idea of a green economy. Sorry, guys, I do. Um, not you know, but I mean you know, I kind of like you know, kind of like the idea you know, because look, we 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 you know. Subsidize the oil companies, subsidize this, subsidize that. So I don't want to hear about, oh, subsidization of the solar, you know, blah, 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 cylinder, blah, blah. You know, I mean, I did like the idea of let, let's have a green basis uh, economy, but I mean, I will, I will, now, I have a different, you know, a different uh, uh, approach to it than probably Obama. He wants to use government money. I would say that instead of just sending money straight from the government to, you know, to these, uh, you know, different businesses and industries and things of that nature, you know, you know, maybe, and, and I do know they did have like some tax cuts in there and tax credits and things of that nature, which, you know, I like the idea, 
uh, and maybe some different type of infrastructure, but I don't think you really got any of the infrastructure done. But I mean, I did like the idea of you know a green economy, a green industry, things of that nature. But anyway, I digress. Uh, so that, that's probably one of the reasons why I didn't hate Obama as much as a lot of people do. Um, but what about Obamacare? I mean, don't you think that? I mean, that was his one thing. I, you think that wasn't a hundred percent for him until now? But uh, well, no, they didn't get everything they wanted. Matter of fact, uh, their boy, Joe Lieberman, is the one who tanked their single-payer <laughs> idea early on in the game. So he didn't even get all the things he wanted in it. And now, uh, because Trump and, and the Republicans are thinking about changing it and getting rid of it, uh, the insurance companies are in a free fall because they can't just keep funding something if they don't know it's gonna if it's going to be stopped. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's specious. It's, it's not even something set in stone. So if that's his landmark legislation, something that can be rolled away immediately, <laughs> good job, buddy. <laughs> and one of the things here with Cindy, I'm going to try to uh, try to read this uh, here. And for that is she mentions, you know, or mentioned to me about, you know, there was no type of debate or anything with uh, Pelosi and Reed when it came to passing the health care bill. I mean, the health care bill itself is kind of pushed down our throats. Well, I don't know, man. That, that's an interesting one because, look, I'm a single-payer guy, so I'm going to disagree with most of your callers on health care. I don't think Obamacare was what I wanted because, I mean, it's, it's a Heritage Foundation bill. The idea of individual mandates was to make everybody have some skin in the game, but 20-year-olds don't think of health care as a necessity. I didn't when I was 20, so why the hell would we think other people would? So it wasn't realistic <laughs> to me uh, in, in the rollout anyway because you needed those people in the pools to create the situation where the, the prices would go down like you wanted. So that never happened. So the prices were what they were and the bill is in flux now. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. It, it never amounted to what they wanted it uh, to be. Well, I, well, I'm not, well, you know, I'm not a fan of single payer, especially since, you know, I, I have my, my family, we, you know, we have our health insurance through work. And when my daughter was in the hospital a couple of years ago, uh, that, you know, health insurance through work, well, that was, was phenomenal. I mean, it was phenomenal. I mean, I, I seen a check, you know, for my daughter, you know, once just one check for my daughter's doctor bill. She was in the hospital for 10 days. And, you know, I seen the insurance company, I didn't see them write it, <clears throat> but I seen the check that they sent to the hospital for $56,000. The whole bill ended up being like 74 or something like that. 74000 but the health insurance carried most of it. You know, and that, that's, yeah. and, you know, I'm not paying an arm and a leg, uh, you know, for, I think, you know, it's like 20, 20 something dollars every week, a week or something for, uh, for the, for the health insurance. I mean, I'm not, I mean, it's, it's it's good health insurance. I'm seeing great health insurance with, uh, you know, with with it being through an employer. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. want to lose that. I mean, I got and I've got health insurance myself too. I certainly don't want to lose that health insurance because in, and give my money to the government so they can dole it out. I mean, I mean, my, my, you know, there's people out there who, you know, were in their 80s and they were paying for uh, prenatal care. I mean, why is somebody in their 80s? paying part of their premium to cover prenatal care. They're not going to have a baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're paying for somebody else to do it. And, I, and one thing I want to know is why is it more expensive to adopt a child than it is to – or to, or to stare at a gal than it is to a, a, abort one? Go ahead, Nas. Yeah, that, I'll just break this down simply. Uh, any insurance requires a pool. That means everybody. 
So there's really no way to itemize it and say, I don't want to pay for this particular issue or I don't want to pay for that particular issue because it's a whole pool. Uh, The thing with single payer would be people get actual preventative care. So you detect uh, things early on. You actually give people the, the route to stay healthy as opposed to people using the emergency room and people coming into, you know, late stage cancer and things like that with late detection, which makes everybody's insurance more expensive. So that's the thing about single payer. How do we get our costs down? Uh, Right now, it's $87,000 in America to have heart surgery. Uh, The second highest in the world is, uh, I think it's New Zealand with $43,000. Why do we pay so much more than everybody else? Because every piece of the profit, profit model of the healthcare industry has to get their profit. So you're tiling off 20 bucks because that little industry has to get theirs. The gloves are more. The syringes are more, everything, because every little piece of that industry has to corner out their little profit. So if you have single payer, well, you're actually the leveraging the, the whole population. Medicine. <laughs> well, th- that's the thing, though. If you, if you have single payer, you're leveraging the whole population to get price controls and, and better prices. So England and Germany, that's why they have different prices. Like you, If you go to France tomorrow, you had a baby, it would be $300. If you have a baby in America, for the most part, average price is $10,000. Are we really that more that much more sophisticated in having a baby or, or you know, are you getting so much more in America when you have your child than you are in France uh, to, to really, you know, prove that that price difference? No, it, it's because of our infrastructure. Healthcare is the, uh, the what is the second biggest expenditure we have. So how do we get the cost down? I say by leveraging our whole population and looking at this as an expense that we have to carry. That, that's why I'm a, a fan of single parent universal health care. Other people disagree, I understand, but that's my position. And we may have to have a, a, a whole show or at least a segment on that. Um, but let's go ahead, and I'm going to kind of fly by the seat of my pants on this one because I normally like to do some uh, call screening uh, beforehand, but we're just going to go ahead and bring this person in. Uh, I don't even know their name, so uh, 314, I'm going to get you into the show. Uh, if you could just give us yeah. uh, your name and where you're calling from and what you want to talk on. Let's go ahead and bring you in, Eric. Here, three one four. How are you tonight? I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm disappointed with the savagery that we see. Oh, is this uh, Bianchi? Yes. <laughs> I'm disappointed oh, with the. See, I didn't know your area code, but I know your voice. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm disappointed with the savagery that was demonstrated by this idiot out of Belleville, who was supposed to have been a progressive, and what he done now, there don't, don't in be, Virginia. Don't be mean to our people, Bianchi. <laughs> All right, but you know. I know I like Nodge, but you always got people who can tell you why something costs so much that you don't really want to get involved in. And that's the problem. I don't want to get involved in that. I wish everyone to have health care that they think is best for them. But when you have this plan that Obama put in place, then he said that if you don't get involved, we're going to find you. And he tell the IRS, don't accept any tax returns that's not indicative that someone has complied with our wishes. That is totally wrong. And I'm glad that Trump gave the directions for the IRS to stop denying people's tax return because they have not gotten involved in that plan. And then you hear these stories about, well, 23 million Americans are going to be without health care. Well, if they 
want to be with health care, they can go ahead and get involved with the plan. But this thing that everybody has to be involved in something in order for it to work, well, why come everybody can't be involved in school choice so that those who want to put their children where they feel is best with them, why come they don't do that so that can work? And I can think of a whole other, a lot of other hosts of things. So, no, I get, to, you know, I hear these arguments all the time trying to convince people why this costs this. Well, when something costs more than I want to spend for it, guess what? I don't buy it. I leave it alone. I buy what I can afford. That's all I got to say right now. Okay. And so we've got uh, John on the line. Let's go ahead and bring in John. And uh, thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. And then we'll, we're we're gonna we're, we're getting a little off topic. Okay, let's be honest, we're a lot off topic, but that's okay. But we will get back on it. <laughs> let's go ahead, uh, John. How are you tonight? Hey guys, it always is good to hear your voice. It's just to me, it's sad that we're so distracted with all of these different issues when the real issue is they want to continue to maintain the divide-and-conquer mentality so they can continue to control the system. I mean, Obamacare is nothing but a permanent stimulus subsidy for the insurance agencies in their industry. Well, where's my subsidy to make force every American in the world to buy my service and product to give me a guaranteed paycheck? Or you? You know, every legal United States citizen is an equal citizen. They're showing favoritism to a particular industry. So they're un- they're already running roughshod over the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. And that's, it's another trick to soft pedal us into the uh, corporate global governing bullarchy and that they can use all this data that they confiscate through all these medical places and all the other businesses in America to determine how they want to create laws to run you into bankruptcy so then they can take more of your stuff. They use the technology, the money that they take from you every paycheck to go set up more things to protect themselves and to give them the control and mechanisms to monitor and track everything you do so then they can write laws to entrap you to continue to take your stuff. And then you don't get any right to have any say-so. Because too many people just seem to think that way. So we're just running on self. I mean, we're just going to put ourselves into self-destruction because until we start respecting the fact that every legal citizen has the right to decide what burdens and encumbers them, you're always going to have somebody left out. And those people that left out turn into this guy today that goes out and shooting up all these people, and he looks at it as self-defense. Just like if you talk to ISIS, ISIS believes they're doing self-defense because they feel American empire has went into their countries and run roughshod over them. So this guy... I agree. This guy, just like the um, people... I mean, there was a neighbor of his or something that was talking on CBS today, and he said, I just want to make sure everybody knows that he's not evil. He was just sick and tired of the, you know, politics and then not allowing him to, you know, have his say. So they they created their own self-destruction. It's sad. Nobody sees that, and I'm not the greatest speaker, so I'm not sure I know how to present it correctly. 
But we're just creating division and more enemies from within and outside. Donald Trump's got enough enemies fighting the globalists in the both parties, and then he's fighting the leftists because he's not a not the true lefty. But then he's got to fight the Republicans that are not only globalists but they're anti-Trump people, and then. He's got to try to fight off. I mean, it's just amazing all the the, death, the destruction by this divide-and-conquer mentality. And nobody wants to find mutual assent. Everybody just wants what they want. And as long as you use force, force begets force. If you use government as a weapon, you're going to have people using weapons to self-defend them and govern and get, you know, get the governing back on. Back to you, Rob. Well, two things. One, one real, real quick, Susan, because I am going to bring you have you you bring you on next. Two, we're going to have to we're going to have to find John. How one day I don't know if we have time today, but we have to do this. One day we're going to have to find or define and tell how I'm not going to say it. You are how we are going to find in a nation of this size the mutual assent. That you're talking about Because I don't know how we can achieve that I want you to come on And tell us how Define what the mutual sin is And tell us how we can achieve that If you have that answer for me I cannot wait to, to, to hear that Because I've been always wondering How we can actually achieve that But first let's go ahead and bring it back to you Susan um, Yeah <clears throat> I can answer some of these guys' questions But the reason we're having problems with a lot of these things is they don't look at us as family. Paul Ryan point blank said today, we are family. And here in Columbus, we come together and show the countryside world that we are united. See, you and I are not part of that family. So they don't care about us, whether it's health care or whether it's gun control or you know, or, you know, or in other words, they're for gun control. They were too stupid to even have guns to protect themselves. But uh, the point being is they... Yeah, they that's a good point. If, 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 Congress, if this Congress would have had guns on themselves, they would have been better protected. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, they're, they're, they look at each other, even if they don't, unless there's some personal hatred, which in a few cases there is, but they look at each other as family, especially in something like this. They want you to know they're united. And um, the other thing is the the Capitol Police um, that were, well, injured today in the line of duty, uh, I guess they are making up for their sin of the past. I have not much respect for the Capitol Police after what they did to Miriam Carey. He murdered her, and so you know. I mean, payback's a bitch. Well, that's huh? not, but that, that's not as a whole. Let's, you know, I mean, let's. Uh, I mean, they're each individuals, just like the police officers that are out now. I mean, just because there's a couple of police officers out there who's, you know, done, done some some wrong things. That, that let's not have that be disparaging on the whole, you know, the whole police force. I mean, just like the Capitol Police, there's, you know, a number of them who, you know, made it, you know. I'll give you give you that to what you described, but that doesn't that don't mean all of them are like that. Well, yeah, like I well, said, anybody oh, who works sorry. there is all family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You and I are not. Paul Ryan, <laughs> Paul Ryan says that as they're crafting that health care bill that's going to destroy families out here. 
but I, I think uh, John and Bianchi, the kind of mixing what they were talking about, we're talking about grand compromise. It has to be where the citizens decide the other side is not evil and they can work with the other citizens on things in a, in a form of compromise. So the people who want uh, single-payer health care, they have to be willing to cross the aisle and talk to people like Pianchi who say school choice is the most important thing on their docket. I don't agree with school choice, but if I wanted a, a certain thing with health care, <laughs> I've got to be willing. Yeah, but I've got to be willing to compromise with Pianchi on his particular issue. And and that's what it has to become because right now we we fall into the news cycle stuff of uh, whatever side we're on is the good guys and the other side is the bad guys. Well, how the hell do you ever get a coalition going on that? You know what I mean? So I think it's a lot of that. And to what John was talking about, yeah, there's a lot of disturbed people who have, you know, they've come to their limit and some of these people are going to act out in terrorist fashion. So hopefully we don't see more of that, but man, we, we, we had a right recipe for that stuff to happen. It's just what's going on right now. A lot of people are unheard, and these two parties don't give a damn about the majority of their constituents. Well, and I think, you know, and I do see some other folks on the line. If you want to get, uh, if you want to chime in, just push the one on your number dial. And if you're out there, you want to call in because it looks like we only got about 35 minutes left of the uh, regular session of our uh, show. Uh, and so you need to call in within the next 35 minutes to be able to listen to the extended period, or what sometimes we lovingly call Bard's Logic After Dark. So give us a call at 347-945-7428 if you'd like to get into the show or at least listen to the extended period. Uh, and if you are in, which I do see there are some, uh, go ahead and push the one on your number dial, and uh, we'll get you in as well. Uh, but real quick, and then we'll bring it back to you folks, uh, bring it back to you, Nosh. All right. Well, what happened there? There's a video they played that – there we go. I guess I still have that speaker on. I apologize, folks. Whoosh, good playing. I was, wasn't watching anything naughty. I'm just kidding. But anyway, um, it looks like – I was looking for the name earlier on the uh, the person, the, I guess, counselor who worked for the – uh, Clinton Foundation that Mueller uh, uh, hired, and this pick was former prosecutor uh, Wilmer Hale uh, and partner Janine Ray. Uh, in 2015, uh, looks like I guess Janine uh, performed work for the Clinton Foundation, and what uh, I guess her part was actually keeping. Uh, Requests for the Freedom of Information Act request regarding uh, Hillary Clinton's private email server. So that, I guess that was her part to play. And she was actually kept people from being able to access information using the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, and so she's actually on this panel or whatever you want to call it uh, in investigating Trump. Now, if you're going to try to say this is some kind of independent panel and people who believe that uh, I, I mean after hiring someone like that I mean how can you really how can you really say this is independent I mean as Gingrich said it's, it's, it's going to look more and more like a witch hunt and then you have Paul Ryan saying let Mueller do his job I'm telling you Mueller is no I mean Paul Ryan is no friend of this administration let me tell you something personally I think he might be buying that uh that White House seat himself. Uh, but let's go ahead again. I think it was back to you, uh, 
Bianchi. Hey, we'll bring it over uh, or, to yourself, oh, and then uh, Naj, and then uh, you, Bianchi, and then John, and then we'll bring in some, some more stuff. Go ahead, Susan. Oh, I, actually, I was... I thought it was you. I thought you were trying to chime in there. No, no. <laughs> no. Oh, well, that was me trying to say something on the uh, school oh, choice. Oh, I apologize, Bianca. You go ahead. You sounded like Susan. I'm just kidding, bud. Go ahead. <laughs> well, it depends on what we talked about. I was joking, folks. <laughs> go ahead. But here's the thing. See, I have schools here in the school district here in St. Louis where the average ACT score of students who graduated last year is 13.9. And the administrators in that building earn about $85,000. Now, those students that come out of that school, (laughs) right, they are never going to be able to earn that based on the skills and education that they got attending that school where if it, they was acting as a commodity so that those administrators could earn the 80 some thousand dollars So for someone to say that a parent don't have a right to take their child out of that decrepit environment, is something wrong with them. I mean, it's, it, it, there's some in this country that believe that everyone should be in this one pot. And you should not be able to escape. That is crazy. I should not sacrifice my child because of some pretension that if I take my child out, who is the best student, then where does it leave those who parents don't put in the type of efforts that I put in in order to make my child the best as they could possibly be? So, no, I want school choice. If I want to be involved in it, and if it's good enough, I will come. If it's not, I'm going to go someplace else, and that's the way it should be. The United States Constitution, that marvelous document that it is, it gives you the right to associate and disassociate, and we need to protect that as much as we possibly can. Well, I, for one, I mean, and disagree with the, the school choice and the vouchers and things of that nature because one it, it, it seems uh, well I'm not into socialism it does seem more like socialism than it is uh, you know capitalism that's one two is you know I bust my ass to pay, to pay the, you know, the tuition for my daughter to go to school so you know, and, and why because I make a certain amount uh, and I don't know if you would contend that I would have I would have to, uh, Bianchi, but as the system is now with, uh, you know, the vouchers and things of that nature, I, frankly, I make too much so I couldn't get a voucher. Okay, I live in the wrong neighborhood, so I couldn't get with these vouchers or whatever they call them. Um, and also what happens is that the, uh, the, you know, around here, Ohio Ed Choice or whatever it's called, I mean, they, they only pay the school half the tuition, and I think they have to, like, write off the other half. They don't even make, make them pay it. You know, so I'm like, okay, like this weekend, for instance, I'll probably be working uh, Father's Day, you know, something extra than my day job, you know, because the money goes to my, my daughter's school, you know, because, you know, I can make more money because it's Father's Day that day. So I'll probably end up doing that. But, yeah, you're going to have this guy or gal down the street, 
who's not going to do that. And because they live a couple blocks down the street from me in a failed uh, school district or in a neighborhood, or, or they don't, you know, make, you know, make the money, you know, I, I didn't grow up, I didn't grow up with any money. I mean, I've, I've got everything I've got, I've worked for. I didn't come from a, you know, a rich family by any stretch of imagination. I paid my way through high school. I paid my way through college. I worked and went to school at the same time. So I'm, I'm of the mind. It's like, you know what? If I, if I can pick myself up by the bootstraps and do it, so can anybody else, regardless of what, you know, background that you come from, you can do it because, you know, I didn't come from a, a you know, any type of wealthy background. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even consider the background I came from as, as middle class. I mean, I, you know, wore pants that were called flood because the, my ankles showed, you know, because they were too short for me, you know what I mean? So anyway, I'm not going to go to the whole story, but, you know, my my mindset is, you know, if, if, if I'm going to bust my butt, why can't the other guy or gal down the street do it, you know? And for someone to come by and say, oh, well, you grew up with more opportunity. Not, not necessarily. Not necessarily I grew up with more opportunities than somebody else did. You know what? I worked my ass off for everything I've got. And, my, you know, I think that, you know, everybody else you know, should too. If they want to send their, their kid to a private school because it's a better education, well, then they need, instead of getting money from the government, you know, to, to do that, they need to get off their ass and, you know, and, and, and get themselves well, in a life position where they can do that. They're not really getting money from the government. They're getting money based on the taxes that they pay in property taxes. Either well, that's the government. State. Yeah, that's the government and, yeah, and but, the people. Go ahead, but it's, but, it's, but it's their money. You know, like I like to talk about, we have a couple it's of school my districts money too. here. <laughs> we have a couple of school districts here in this area where they public school districts, but 96% of the revenue to operate those schools come from the local concerns. They get hardly nothing from the state other than the benevolence that they have when they let underprivileged students attend the school and they receive Title I uh, lunch money. And they also receive a few percentage from the state. So the state and federal government can't tell them to do anything. That's where the problem lies. If you want to do something that's going to propel your child ahead of the rest, well, they don't let you. State don't allow it. The federal government surely don't allow it. They say that it's doing this, that, or the other. So, no. And, you know, you say you know how. You had a case there where you had a mother, and this happened to be an African-American child in the district that her father lived in. And she's doing five years in prison. You had another case up in Connecticut, similar. But if they had had a school choice, then that money that that child was receiving in the decrepit school district that she was complaining about could have followed them to the other public school district. School choice don't just mean you go into a charter school. It doesn't just mean you go into a private school. You may want to go to another public school district. But if you're going to go to a district outside of where you live, then you got to pay. And I'm saying that that money that's going to your decrepit school district should be able to follow you, your child, to the one that the parents think is best for them. And well, anywhere and you go, I'm like you. I pay for my child. I'm paying for my grandson to attend college. I'm paying out of my pocket. So the division is going to be there. Because I'm not going to let him fail. The division is going to be there, and I'm not the only. You have other people just like you who feel a need to do something and not wait for somebody else to do it for you. Well, and, and, and 
as Naj was pointing out, you know, you know, finding concessions with, with you know, with with different people is, I you know, I don't mind if, if he, I don't mind this case, this scenario, and we're totally off topic, but that's okay. Um, but in this case, where if I'm paying, you know, if I'm paying, you know, my property taxes, which I do, and they go to the local public schools, so I'm basically paying for education twice. But anyway, uh, is that, you know, let's say my kid, you know, or anybody's kid. Okay, but I'll say, you know, let's say my kid goes to public school A. Okay, okay, but I want I want my kid to go to public school B. Okay, I I mean I can concede where okay, well then my money going from public school A should be able to go to public school B. You know, so they could go there because public school B is a better school. But to say that, mm, you know, I'm gonna and this is what's happening here because I've seen it is I'm taking my public my my money for my property taxes that otherwise would go to public schools. Okay. And this is why actually some public schools are against it. Uh, people who work at public schools are against the uh, school choice because they take, what they do is they take the money from the property taxes. And instead of that money going to a different public school or public school district, they give them these vouchers that so they can take these vouchers, send it to the private schools and go to those private schools. That's what's real. That is what is happening. It's not that they're picking a, pri- a different public school. I, I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, if you want to say, hey, look, you should be able to go to whatever public school you want because you're paying property taxes, I would agree with that. What I don't agree with is saying you can take this money that was for property taxes that normally would go to a private – I mean go to a public school and then give it to somebody for a private school and then tell me I can't do the same thing because I make too much money. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a private school school district. It could be online. It could be online classes. It could be tutoring. It could be ever, however that it could be homeschooling. It could be ever, however that parent feel is best for their child. We like to always throw out there, oh, charter schools ain't no good. Well, it doesn't have to be a charter school. It can be another public school, like I gave a demonstration to. I refuse to let my my child, my grandkids, go to these decrepit schools. I am not sacrificing my child for some somebody's idea on this utopia that everybody is going to sit here in this big pot together. Uh Uh-uh. You're not going to play that with my kids. Well, one day we may have to have a, a huge segment, maybe get some people. I mean, I, I really would like to get some, uh, you know, some people from the, the education systems in one time uh, to do that. Just we, you know, we, we cover mostly like the, the politics of what's going on now, but it is definitely something, you know, just like what we mentioned in our last show and all the different things we could, uh, we could be talking about on that. But, um, but anyway, so we'll bring uh, we're almost to the top of the hour, and then what, so I'm going to kind of give a. Uh, now I did see Kelly on the line, but he's uh, unfortunately I don't I don't see him back on there for so hopefully we'll be able to call back in before we get to uh, the top of the hour. He's kind of our our constitutional scholar. He probably know more about uh, the uh, the clause I was talking about, or you know earlier here the uh, emoluments clause. And we're going to talk about that and how that's actually being used or trying to be used in order to actually you know, possibly even impeach Trump, which is a far cry stretch of doing it. But they're actually trying to use the Constitution, which I find ironic. 
how they're trying to use the Constitution against uh, Trump, but otherwise that they are. But that's going to be what we're going to be having uh, at the top of the hour. But let's go ahead and bring it back around to our roundtable. Let's go ahead and bring you back, uh, and John. And, and earlier, and this don't you know quite go with our topic, but we'll let this, a few moments for it uh, ask you to define and perhaps explain how we could get this mutual assent. Uh, did you ha- did you have uh, maybe briefly an answer for that? Well, I I look at it this way. I'll try to be brief because this is something that I think we as a people have to do together. I mean, mutual sin. We understand what the freedom of contract is, right? There has to be a promise. There has to be valuable consideration, and you get to decide what the terms and conditions. I can't force you to buy the car. You can't force me to sell the car. We have to work by mutual assent. It has to be a win-win. Well, naturally, like you said, with 300-plus million people, that's a bit more difficult to do. So from a very basic standpoint, in my humble opinion, right now we have a divide-and-conquer system where anybody that wants to, just for example, the guy that was the shooter today, they said that he approached his representatives and sent them ten different letters and tried to get them to listen to him, and he would, they wouldn't give him even the time of day. Number one, if you're a legal United States citizen, you should be able to participate at any level at all things because if you're going to be held accountable for those laws and you know burdened and encumbered by them, then you have standing to say yay or nay. You can't. Otherwise, some oligarchy of people, are deciding your fate. So that doesn't that means that we do not have a constitution. We do not have a declaration of independence because if we're all equal people and we're self-governing, that means you decide for yourself what burdens and encumbers you in governing. Governing the rules, processes, procedures, you know, ordinances, things of that sort that come with governing. But we're all focused on, oh, the governing has to, the government has to deal out all dole out all these privileges to these certain people, but not to everybody. That's discrimination. So from a very general standpoint, is if somebody is hip on what's you know being discussed and they come up and say, no, that ain't going to work, then we don't pass the bill because every legal United States citizen is an equal citizen and they have the right to determine how that's going to affect their life because I'm not going to stand up and protect their life. They know what their pursuit of happiness is. Right now what we have is people get in the office. There's an oligarchy of, you know, 30 or 535 people, and then all of the different bureaucracy heads, and then all the influence from the special interests. So say it's about 300,000 people. All them people decide what the laws are going to be, but now you, they get a fast track to their pursuit of happiness because they've used those laws to make sure they get a fast track. But some of us get roadblocks. Some of us get speed bumps, and other of us get walls. So where's our independence and freedom and liberty and right to the pursuit of happiness? It's not equitable unless we all have mutual assent. That's why mutual assent under the freedom of contract and freedom of conscience and freedom of association was part of the Declaration of Independence. But we totally wiped out the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, and nobody seems to get it or understand it. We argue about everything else that's you know, the outcome of something when we really should be looking at the rules. Now, I hopefully I didn't confuse you, but it's something we all have to decide together because otherwise you're fragmenting us into divide and conquer with certain factions. That means certain factions are going to be 
disenfranchised or marginalized or minimalized in order for them to have the same privileges and immunities as Article 4, Article 4, not Amendment, Article 4, Section 2, you know, all citizens will have the same privileges and immunities as in the several states, you know, and then it's backed up by the 14th Amendment, and then Article 1, Section 9, and Section 10, there shall be no title of nobility granted or established at the state level or the federal level, and we just poo-poo all over that all the time, but most of us Americans don't understand that, and we you know, they, it list goes on by because those people in Congress and the Senate, they know what they're doing. They are smart and they're sharp, and they take advantage of that power because they want to continue to make the decisions on them, do what they want to do, and the rest of us just, you know, are, in other words, like I said before, well, I, they represent us like a pimp represents a prostitute, and you get they you they come by and collect your money. Every payday, they spend that money the way they want to, whether you like it or not, and they don't care whether you like it or not. That's just like a thug or MS-13 or anybody else, and that's gangster. That's criminal enterprise. Well, then we have to, it's the represent, uh, representative, perhaps, that we have to change uh, on that. But I do see there's only about 15 minutes left, uh, so hopefully we'll be able to get uh, – uh, Kelly uh, in here I'll probably have to send him a, a message there And we do have uh, some other folks in line Just push the one on your number dial uh, If you'd like uh, to get in and, and Susan I got an article here That uh, I found that I think you'll like um, And I think it's kind of telling What you were talking about um, And it's about uh, our good friend uh, John McCain <laughs> And I remember Some of you guys might have uh, Recall or, or, or have heard uh, where John McCain was saying that uh, the United States leadership uh, was uh, better under Obama. Did, you, did did anyone else hear that about John yeah, McCain I saying that? that? Yeah, I read Well, it. I have here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says uh, just joking, cowardly. Now this is an opinion piece. So it says uh, just joking, cowardly. McCain walked back praise of Obama after backlash. Says traitor and coward. As I said, his opinion piece. But anyway, says traitor and coward. John McCain is now walking back his earlier claim uh, that America was better under President Obama. McCain tried to deny that he ever said that U.S. leadership was better under President Obama. Then he flipped on that claim, meaning if he did say that, he was just joking. Joking. This loser slams President Trump every chance he gets. He's walking this outlandish statement back now simply because of the backlash he's received. McCain should be removed from his post. He's working to usurp the will of the people, and he is our enemy. Uh, It says Washington. Arizona Republican Senator McCain uh, denies Monday that he said U.S. leadership under President Donald Trump is worse than when Barack Obama was in office. I never said such a thing a thousand times, I said. Look at the world in 2009 and look at it today. Of course I never said that. If I did, I was just joking, McCain said, the, uh, told the Daily Caller. said, The Guardian published an interview with McCain Sunday that quoted him as saying American leadership under Obama was better than it is now under Trump. The statement was in response to when he was asked about President Trump's criticism of London Mayor Sadiq Khan. Uh, the Guardian described McCain as visibly irked when asked about it, 
uh, the message Trump gave to Britain. Pathetic excuse by London Mayor Sadiq Khan, who had to think fast on his no reason to be alarmed statement Trump tweeted last Monday. Uh, what do you think the message is? The message is that America doesn't want to lead, McCain said. He went on to say that the rest of the world, they are not sure American leadership, whether it be in uh, Siberia or whether it be in Antarctica. When the Guardian asked if uh, the U.S. international standing was better under Barack Obama, McCain uh, responded, as far as American leadership is concerned, yes. So there's an article, but it looks like, of course, he's uh, backtracking some or is backtracking, maybe even lying, saying, I've never said that. Yeah, send that. Pull Damn, that one I thought you liked that. Too. Yeah. <laughs> and, that and actually, you, and actually, you could find that uh, article too with many of the others uh, on the Bard's Logic Political Talk website. Uh, you could find it on oh. the uh, newsroom page at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, uh, so you can uh, check it out there. And so actually I'm going to go there to get uh, a part of our next uh, statement. But first, let's go ahead. Before we close out uh, this hour, uh, we move on to our our last topic for this evening. I know we got off some of, uh, you know, topic for part of the show, but let's uh, bring it back at least for the closing co- uh, comments for this segment. So let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Naj, and then you, uh, Bianchi about if you want to make any closing comments about what your thoughts are about, you know, the Comey testimony recently, uh, Mueller, you know, with his hirings of those uh, supporting Hillary Clinton and being part of uh, doing uh, this investigation. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Naj. Well, I, I think people got to remember Mueller is a Republican. Uh, he's a standard issue Republican. So, I mean, this, this thing about him being a dim or some kind of dim favoring, I, I don't know. If you're putting a group together against President Trump or or to investigate him, yeah, you're probably going to pick from the other side. You're probably not going to pick somebody who's a Republican for the most part because that's probably not going to be in the best interest of an investigation. But people don't go after Mueller because he has a purple heart and I think a silver star. So, I mean, he's a respected dude just because of what he's done. That's why people are kind of – I don't know, a little antsy about attacking him, and that's why they're kind of soft peddling whatever they say bad about him. They don't go too okay. far. Uh, he's got a yeah, he's got a, a real good record as far as a, a veteran, so that's why they're careful. But my my thing is, Trump supporters got to spend less time defending Trump and more time putting pressure on Trump to get things done. And like things like that Dodd Frank, to where they're repealing Dodd Frank, well, that sets us up for another bank bailout after they crash the system again. Uh, banks have, mm, yeah. have shown that they're irresponsible and we can't allow them to just have carte blanche. So our Trump supporters got to make sure that they pressure him and don't spend as much time defending the, you know, defending him online with Dems, man. Get some stuff done. Well, I definitely, uh, yeah, I definitely uh, agree with getting, uh, getting stuff done, but, but do we have all these distractions that, you know, those on the opposite side of the aisle and, and with the media, um, you know, I mean, they're they're doing all these th- things that have, they have to deal with, you know, unfortunately. Yep. Yep. I mean, that, that we need to just be done with it. I'm, I, you know, I'm kind of tired of de- <laughs> kind of tired of messing with it and just get you know be done with all this. I mean, especially you know, this collusion with Russia. It's been going on for 11 months. 
there hasn't been anything. I mean, you look at the Iran Contra, uh, you know, affair, as, as some call it. I mean, did anything really come out of that? I mean, not really. <laughs> so, but look how well, 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 just, just think about it like this, host. Well, think about it like this, host. The Obama coalition spent all their time fighting Republicans about their attacks on Obama instead of pushing Obama. So then after eight years, they didn't have a piece of legislation that they could rely on and say, our guy served us well. And I'm not a Democrat, as y'all know, but the Dems have nothing to show for eight years of Obama because they all all they did was spend time defending him instead of putting pressure on him. So the the droning, uh, you know, and everything else that Obama did, they just acted like it wasn't going on. Let's go ahead and uh, bring it to you, Pianchi, and then we'll go ahead and uh, bring in our next uh, uh, topic for this evening. And uh, I'm going to go see if I can get a, a hold of Kelly, because I would be interested to hear what you got to hear uh, say about the uh, the emoji clause. Go ahead, uh, Pianchi. You've got eight minutes till the end of the uh, two hours. Well, I'm going to be real fast. I think that they should continue to remove these Obama appointees. I think one of the most recent ones, that was removed with former U.S. Attorney of Manhattan, Pret Barara, who is of Indian descent. And as soon as he gets, as soon as he's uh, let go, he goes into a diatribe of disking Donald Trump. So these Obama appointees, you can see where that there is a bottleneck in the things that Trump wants to get done. Mueller is hiring some of the other side, if you want to call it. I don't know. I mean, that's a very tedious, not a very tedious, but that is very, uh, that is something that needs to be looked at very hard. And these continuing witch hunts on Donald Trump is, uh, is, they're not going to go anywhere. Where are they going to go? But Trump should stay, Trump should stay on point with the things that he promised and other things that would make help to make put America first again. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I get your point, Naj, about, and then we'll, uh, we'll, and then we'll bring over those last comments for you, Susan and John. Uh, but I mean, I get your point about, you know, of course, you don't want to have, have it just all Republicans, but, you know, the, I mean, people who actually, you can pick Democrats and maybe even those who, uh, financially supported Democrats, as it looks like some of these have, which I even don't know about that. But you know, those are known to be Democrats. Uh, but the ones actually tied to Clinton and the Clinton Foundation, I think that's carrying it. To, I think that's carrying that too far. I think you, you know, there's definitely other people, you know, that. I think <laughs> well, would well be let me let me suited, ask you a question. Be How many Dems can you find that aren't tied to the Clintons in some way at some point throughout their political well, but history? The, well, the, but the but the Clinton Foundation. What you did with the Clinton Foundation is is my point. Um, I mean, yeah, that's, I agree. That's a, you know, now if it's like at the you know the Clinton administration or maybe even the Clinton, uh, you know, but this I mean, but the Clinton Foundation, which is more recent, you know, especially when it came to the email scandal. I mean, that's kind of would seem, you know, since she helped out with the email scandal, I would figure that would be kind of counterintuitive to have her on, uh, you know, ha- have her on the panel for, for this. Especially since, well, think about it. It was, uh, you know, 
I mean, it's, they're they're investigating the guy who beat her boss. <laughs> you know, and, and maybe even friend. You know. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a friend. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah. that that's where I think they they you know that one at least that's you know one of the reasons why I point that one out the most is I mean, which is like Mueller. I mean, Mueller's uh, you know a good friend of Comey. I mean, I don't see how they can really even consider. Um, you know, to be independent. I mean, this guy's, you know, you're, in my opinion, you're kind of cutting from the same cloth, are you not? I don't know. That's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. Uh, if you throw Mueller out, it really looks bad. Because I, I think at this point, Trump can hurt himself more by slowing or stopping the investigation than what the investigation could actually find out by, that, you know, Finishing it out. Well, and that's what so I think. Any, is, and you make any Dems who are suspect on on that on that cat on that uh, investigative investigative committee actually helps you in the long run because then when it comes out, you kind of point that fact out. So, well, and I think you're making yeah, you know, I think you're making a great point because and I think that's what they might actually be trying to do with you know, but with the investigation, just kind of what we heard at the in, in the audio clip we played in the beginning of the show, um, is because. The, uh, what they're trying to do is it's not the and I think this kind of happened with now I'm not a, no any expert by any stretch of me you know of uh, Watergate but I mean that's kind of what happened with some things in Watergate where the uh, and not that there's trying to be a cover up but I think the investigation itself you know or what can happen during investigation can cause people to get in trouble um, can be more damning than what they're even trying to find I think that you know just through the process of the investigation, you know, people could get in trouble, you know, just from that, you know, with what you know, Gingrich and, and Hannity said is, you know, if you forget a certain point and you try to go back and they'll say, okay, well, now you committed perjury, you know, things of that nature. But let's go ahead. Um, I do see Kelly in the line. When you're ready, Kelly, just push the one in the number dial. But we are about uh, only about two minutes. So if you're going to call in, uh, call us at 347-945-7428. Uh, because if you don't do that in the next two minutes, unfortunately, you will not be able to. And also, if you are on the call, make sure that you do not lose your line, because once it gets disconnected, unfortunately, you will not be able to make it uh, back into the show. So let's try to keep those uh, back, those on. So what I've got here is, uh, and Kelly wants you to uh, make you know, some comment. This has got a shorter article here, um, and this is from the Free Beacon. And it says, members of a group. Linked to uh, liberal operative and Hillary Clinton loyalist David Brock, are involved in a new lawsuit filed by the Democratic Attorney General, Attorney General of the District of Columbia and Maryland against President Trump over his private businesses. The lawsuit, which was filed Monday in the U.S. District Court in Greenbelt, Maryland, focuses on the Constitution's emolument clause which bars foreign governments from paying U.S. officials, the Washington Post uh, reported. The lawsuit alleges violations by the president of two distinct yet related provisions of the U.S. Constitution that seek to make certain that he faithfully serves the American people, free from compromising financial engagements with foreign and domestic governments and officials, the lawsuit states. Carl Ransign, D.C.'s attorney general, said at a press conference early Monday that Trump is flagrantly violating the Constitution and that 
Never in the history of this country have we had a president with these kinds of extensive business entanglements. That's because they've mostly been political, you know, you know, career politicians for the past how many years? Decades, you know, hundreds of years. Anyway, uh, we know foreign governments are spending at the Trump International Hotel to curry favor with the president of the United States, Ransign said. The Saudis are already spending hundreds of thousands of dollars at the Trump Hotel. The lawsuit filed by D.C. and Maryland mimics that of a lawsuit filed earlier this year by Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. <laughs> Ethics in Washington, are you serious? Anyway, uh, a liberal legal advocacy group once led by Media Matters for America founder David Brock. Noah Bookbinder, Cruz executive director, appears on the lawsuit filed by the Democratic Attorney General, Attorneys General Stuart McPhail. Cruz litigation counsel is also listed on the lawsuit. The attorneys general are hoping the lawsuit will lead to the release of Trump tax returns. Here we go. Earlier this year, David Brock had held a conference with more than 100 liberal donors at the posh Turnberry Isle Resort in Alventura, Florida, mapping out how Democrats would kick Donald Trump's ass, in quotes. The Washington Free Beacon attended the conference and obtained a copy of a private and confidential Brock memo detailing the liberal operatives' plans to attack Trump using Crew, Media Matters, ShareBlue, and American Bridge. The memo spoke of defeating Trump through impeachment, delegitimizing his presidency via legal attacks spearheaded by groups such as Crew, and partnering with Facebook to combat quote-unquote fake news, among other objectives. It also hit on how Brock would go after Trump using litigation efforts. Crew will relentlessly probe Trump's global conflicts of interest and administration ethics problems through aggressive use of research, open record requests, legal action, and hey, here's a term you've heard tonight, folks. And think about what we just talked about with the, the lady who tried to stop this from happening. Is she going to try to do this again? And Freedom of Information Act litigation. So they're going to try to get information when this, just, this other lawyer tried to keep information uh, from that acting out from the emails. Apocrisy abound. Now, that's my words, not in the article. Anyway, it says, Crew will bring about legal accountability for executive branch ethical and legal violations through complaints and litigation. Although Brock officially left Crew in December of last year, the organization appears to be following the plan laid out in that memo. Brock sought to raise $40 million in 2017 for his organization and seeks to build a network that rivals that of the Cook brother, brothers. I'm sorry. Uh, Bookbinder did not return requests for comment on his involvement in the D.C. and Maryland lawsuits by press time. So that is another article, again, folks, that you can find on the Bard's Logic Political Talk website, namely on the Bard's Logic Political Talk newsroom. So, again, as I said earlier, trying to use a portion of the Constitution to get Trump. Now, one of the things that I was talking to, I gave a conversation uh, with a friend, and she's like, he needs to diversify his holdings. 
You know, you need to make sure that, you know, but with all these hotels, I'm like, he's got real estate all over the place, and a lot of them are hotels. So he just needs to sell all of his hotels because he's the president of the United States. That's absolutely ridiculous. That's absolutely – so, I mean, I'm like, is, is, can we not have a, a president of the United States that's a business person that's in the business? I mean, it, that's what they're so upset about anyway. He's not a career politician. It's what we have to have. Uh, you know, you can only – be the president of the United States if you you have no business holdings or you're a you know a career politician you haven't been in most of your uh, career in business you, we can't have that we have to use this emoluments uh, clause in order to divest them of uh, their holdings in order for them to be able to be president I mean that's ridiculous I mean I think it's ridiculous John what do you think well, I'm not sure that I even see all the ins and outs. I know during the campaign we spoke before, and I was saying he's got a whole lot of conflicts of interest that are going to be dealt with. But at the same time, I've heard of other businessmen that went into office, maybe not president. They could have been some that were president, too, that sold all their holdings and put the value in some kind of stock or bonds or something that wasn't going to be an issue. And this is just one of those areas I think there needs to be a whole lot more discussion on. My thing of it is, is most of all this stuff that they're raising about Trump, to me, it just sounds like, and you guys got to remember, I'm not, I'm not a Trump fan. I still am not really a big Trump fan, but he is our president, and I couldn't stand Hillary, so I did vote for him because I couldn't stand the thought like you, Robert, of having a Hillary as a president. So I voted for the lesser evil to make sure we didn't get super hyper evil. But uh, the there's these. It, it's like we're trying to take him to court or or to uh, assault him under heresy. I don't get it. I don't. See, I don't. I don't understand. It just blows my mind, and I'm sure there's more to it that I don't understand. But I'm like going. We're going to just be distracted. I think this is part of the plan with the globalist on the Republican and the Democrat side, and they're all just wanting to use this as an opportunity to keep us all distracted because if you watch C-SPAN, the Congress, which are mostly globalists, they're not and all of them are on Trump's side. There's very few that's on Trump's side. They're passing all kinds of bills and consolidating more power into the hands of the few like you won't believe in Trump like getting rid of the climate accord thing, he just helped circumvent part of that because that was really more of a soft transfer of power to make us be um, subordinate to the international law, you know, the international criminal courts, the Hague and Interpol and police like that. So it was going to try to put us under the sovereignty of the U.N. And I'm like, nobody's talking about that because they want you distracted on climate change. So I think most of this is all just a distraction to keep us off, you know, looking at really what they're doing behind the scenes to manipulate us completely out of, from under our sovereignty. Back to you. Well, yeah, I mean, of course we know when we talked briefly about that last, um, you know, last show about, you know, the uh, leaving the Paris Accord. Uh, but what do you and let's go to the you, Susan. What do you what do you think of that? And then I do see uh Kelly, we do have you on the line. Just push the woman on your number dial when you're ready to get in. But uh Susan, what's your thoughts? Uh, you mean on him having to get rid of his holdings or whatever? 
Well, you know, I just thought they were trying to use that against them. Oh, they'll try to use anything against anybody they can do. Anything to. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when they say get rid of Congress, I mean, there was the joke that, uh, well, I don't know if it was a joke. I don't think it really happened, but a guy was running up and down saying that terrorists had taken Congress as hostage and they were demanding, you know, money and whatever, and uh, he, they said, how much donations have you gotten? He goes, 100 gallons of gas. <laughs> so I don't think either side Republican, you know, if I'd have been on the field today at the shooting and they said, is this Republicans? I would have said, no, I'm independent, thanks. <laughs> no way I'm going to admit to being part of either party, really. So, you know, I mean, where are some of you? Well, you, you say you're Republican. I won't admit to it. I just say I'm registered so I can vote, you know. So, Republican. You know, you have to choose in Idaho, one party or the other. Yeah, well, you don't have any alternate either. parties you can look at? Not for the primaries. Only in, in the regular not, not even any Green primaries. Party people? Oh, yeah. And, but uh, I don't even know if they're normally in the primaries. Very, very few are in the primaries. Usually it's just Republicans and Democrats and maybe Libertarians. No, they, they did here in Ohio. They had a, the Green Party had a... Yeah, they had a primary here. That's that's why. That actually, I want those. I wanted to vote in the Green Party primary. It's one of the reasons why. And plus, I want to be able to go to their convention. I want to go to the Green Party uh, convention here in Ohio. Um, so oh. I, you know, at this point in time, I'm a registered Green Party <laughs> card carrying Green I, Party guy. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Okay. Well, um, you know, I said it a few times on the. I said it a few times on the show. <laughs> Well, I didn't realize you were. I thought it was just. I didn't realize it was for the primary, so because I'm used to. Uh, yeah, they, they, they did have a primary, and plus, uh, for those, yeah, for those who voted in two primaries, actually for the uh, the Green Party, they got invited to go to the convention, um, at least the state convention here. Now I could have gone to the national convention, but there, I, I couldn't get away. Uh, you know, get out to where it was. I I, I I'm trying to remember oh, where it was. Okay. It was. Uh, it was it was out of state, so I mean, I could have gone, I, you know, could have got in, um, but I just couldn't do the traveling to get down there. Plus, I'm not very happy with Jill Stein anyway. Well, she wasn't actually the person. No. Uh, she, yeah, I wanted to like to get her on the show one time, but she wasn't the person I voted for in the primary, actually, um, uh, for the Green Party. So, but actually, the guy I voted for was more. He was actually more, uh, much more conservative than she is. Well, see, if anybody has a gun on you and says, are you a Republican, you can honestly not lie. <laughs> I'm Green Party. What's <laughs> oh, dear. But, no, I don't think he should. You know, just because you become president does not mean you should have to sell your house, your hotel. Your You can maybe put your kid's name on it, say, for your wife's name. I don't know, but you shouldn't have to sell everything, no. I mean, I don't think the Clintons or any of them sold everything, and I'm sure oh, no. they don't. Oh, no, and I don't even know if they're contending that he needs to sell everything, but I would say that, you know, 
they're trying to link that, you know, oh, he's got all these holdings, you know, he's got all these hotels and stuff like that, and, you know, foreign, you know, foreign people are, are dignitaries or whatever, maybe staying at the Trump hotels, and, you know, and, you know, I mean, they're all over the place, and, then, and of course, you know, there are, you know, other hotels they could pick, but whether it's worth making hay over, I don't know. Well, let's go ahead and bring it to our other gentleman here. Uh, let's go ahead and bring it to you, uh, Pianchi, then you know. What do you think? Do you think that's something they're making hay over? I think it's ridiculous myself. What is he supposed to do, give away, uh, sell everything? And if people know that you, are, it's mandatory that you sell things, well, something that's worth $500,000, they say, well, look, I give you 100000 for it. And nothing but a bunch of hogwash again. That's all it is. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, no, another point. Every, another point, real quick. Do not Trump have lawyers that's advising him in order to make sure that the things he's doing is constitutionally correct? I would think that he. I would think that he would. I mean, I, you know, I know he's got you know a, you know, a team of lawyers. Uh, you know, because they talk about him. I don't know exactly who you know have the names of them, but um, I'm presuming that he does have you know. It yeah, but I mean, lawyers this, uh, lawyers work for you, so they work at your pleasure. So you're telling them what you want them to discover or find out. It's not them advising you and dictating you. So, look, this this is this is always was going to be a problem. The Dems have been holding this card for a while and waiting to play it. Uh, it was simple: either he takes the fire that he gets from this, or he he gets rid of his holdings because these holdings are always going to be a problem because the, the idea of quid pro quo is there. Now, whether you do it or not, that'll never be known. And that's the other part of this. Uh, they'll never actually win on this because for quid pro quo, you have to prove not only the exchange of money, but the exchange of benefit all at the same time. And there's no way in hell mm-hmm. you're ever going to win that case. But can you damage him? Yeah, you can damage him easily with this. So that's what the Dems are going to do. Now, I'd advise everybody to go back to 2015 and read some of the writers who talked about this on the Clinton uh, Foundation when they had the quid pro uh, quo scandal. So some of the same people who were screaming at Clinton are now saying this is not a big deal. So I find that to be interesting. But no matter what, he made a choice. Either he was going to deal with this or he was going to sell and make it easier for himself. Jimmy Carter sold his peanut farm for a reason. This could be a problem. (laughs) He sold his peanut farm. And you know what? You know what the ironic thing about that knowledge is? I don't think anybody would have cared. It's like, what do you do? Hey, you know, give uh, diplomats free bags of peanuts? I don't know. <laughs> People, well, can you it's the look joke? of impropriety. He gave it's the, the country look of impropriety. away for peanuts. <laughs> well, let's, let's say, a, let's say a country all of a sudden wants to import all of their peanuts from the United States, and you're the president who owns a peanut farm. Huh, that's kind of interesting for you. The price of peanuts goes up. And now your farm is worth more than what it was. So I mean, this this office can be used to make money if you really wanted to. So the fact that oh, Trump yeah, has well, the ability to that makes it a problem. So it, it's up to him. Either he's going to deal with them steady bothering him about this, or he sells. And I don't think he's going to sell. So they're going to bother him about this. But they won't win the case because there's no way in hell you're going to be able to prove all of that. No diplomat is that stupid, and no person that works for Trump is that stupid. At least you would hope not. <laughs> I They're not I mean, going to do the yeah, whole exchange in, in one recording for you to catch them. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. You know, I mean, and, and I may not even, you know, now I'm thinking about it. I mean, I'm not even 
carry all this stuff next time on, on the show. I might just say, okay, this is what's being worked on, but, um, you know, in, in Congress, and this is what's before the House, we're going to talk about these bills and this and that, you know, instead of all this, this side stuff. Because, I mean, it, it is distracting. I mean, I'm even starting to get distracted. I mean, the last two shows, you know, we've been talking about all this stuff, uh, you know, that, that, that's been going on. Well, I mean, frankly, that's what people want to listen to now, unfortunately, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I want to talk about, you know, what, what what are we doing to, you know, make American great again? Because I, mean, I really don't. I think uh, before Trump, and I'm not saying he's magically brought it back already, but, I mean, I really do feel that America, you know, under President Obama has been in decline, you know, at least globally. I think our global influence has definitely, uh, you know, has definitely shrank. You know, I, I, I think our sovereignty has been, you know, opposed on. And I, I don't think, you know, our, obviously our economy has, you know, has gone down. Uh, I don't think we're the, the power. I don't think we're we're as respected. Um, I, I think even the the national morale uh, for that. And, and here's the and here's the bad thing with when it comes to national morale. I mean, among the and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Naj, is I think that you know what they're trying to do. And again, here we are off topic, but what they're trying to do is I mean, when when Trump when they try to call you know Trump you know, always a, he's a national populist, you know, trying to can. To uh, compare him with Hitler, they try to make it as if nationalism, you know, in the sense of nationalism, is wrong. It's a bad thing. You're almost evil if you if you feel a national pride uh, for your country. You know, you know, you, you know that's uh, such an archaic, uh, you know, almost Cro-Magnon, you know, way of feeling anymore. You know, now you got to feel like you know you're a citizen. You're not a citizen of the United States. You're, and this is what they're. They're teaching our kids. This is what they're teaching the, the you know, the kids is, well, you're you're more of a, uh, you know, a citizen of the world. You're not really a citizen of the United States, more so uh, as a citizen of the world. I mean, I think they're really trying to push that, and, and I think one, that's why they're really pushing that multiculturalism uh, in the United States is because you know, One thing multiculturalism does is it uh, it gets rid of your national identity. Well, I don't know because that's a tough one because this country. Makeup is different from most countries' makeup. Just you know, the, the whole melting pot thing. You got so many different people and cultures here, so that, that's a different but one. As far as the Trump Hitler thing, like that's just yeah, people who don't understand things well being hyperbolic, man. Uh, Trump won by a slim margin. Like he's never had a crazy mandate to where he could even start to try to do things that Hitler did. So that's just people trying to smear him. Uh, so I, I I don't understand when people make those comparisons. That's that's weird to me. Hitler well, wouldn't have had all this yeah, trouble but, passing stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but I think when it comes bad. to them, well, we, we've been – but the thing is, is when people came to America, eventually, if not in the first generation, at least in the second generation, uh, you know, they've been – you know, the, 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 the people coming over, the immigrants, or, or at least their children, were Americanized. I mean, now I, I, I don't see where uh, there's it, – it's almost like well, if you try to Americanize, you're almost a racist of sorts. You know, for these immigrants coming in, say, you know, it almost says, and how dare you try to Americanize these people coming over? You know, how dare you try to, you know, wipe out their culture and make it an, an American? It's like, well, that's what America has been like. And, and look, I mean, look at history. I mean, look at what happened to the Roman Empire. I mean, that's one of the things that happened to the Roman Empire breaking up. Uh, I think there's a lot of similarities between what happened with the Roman Empire and what's happening in the United States. Uh, you know, our, our indigenous population is shrinking because people aren't having as many kids as they used to. 
we have to, uh, and so we have to buffer our, uh, we have to buffer our population by, and that's why I think neither party up until now, and they're still not really doing a lot, uh, has allowed all this uh, illegal immigration to happen because they're trying to buffer yeah. our, uh, buffer our population. Well, you're absolutely right. You know, I heard of a case where you had a lady from Venezuela whose husband was beating her up. So she applied for asylum in the United States, comes in, and immediately gets on the social program. That is totally ridiculous. If her husband is beating her up from a marriage in Venezuela, that's Venezuela's problems. That's not our problems. That's crazy. Well, and also when they you, come over, they get they get special, uh, you know, special uh, compensation for like grants. You know, if they want to take out a loan. Uh, you know, to start a business, you know, they get, you know, either lower interest rates or none at all, or they got up to a certain amount of time to, to, to pay these loans off, or, or they're backed by the government, where if they end up not paying, you know, to paying them or the default on them, you know, the government pays for them. Uh, and then you've got some states where they allow illegals to get in-state tuition. It's like, wait a minute, we don't even allow our own citizens to get in-state tuition, but you're going to let somebody who's not even from the, a citizen of this country get in-state tuition? That's ridiculous. Absolutely. Enroll in public schools. You know, if you can let immigrant illegals enroll in public schools, why come you can't let indigenous people, natural born citizens, be able to take their money and put their child someplace else where they feel they can get better education? Anything here is better than where some of these people are coming from. So they're not going to row for that. So in another point, have you ever heard, you heard the stories that if a immigrant is not allowed to cross the border, they have a right to bring a case in the U.S. court over why they are not allowed to tie up U.S. courts with taxpayers' dollars. I mean, you'd be surprised some of the things that you hear. Yeah, well, when you have something like globalization based on what the corporations want and people haven't had a wage increase in a long time, people start doing the calculus on whether they should have a kid or not. So how do you fix that? Like you were saying, you bring in other people. They work those shit jobs that other people can't make a living on. They live three to a house and do all of that stuff. And then you can just kind of keep it rolling and act like everything is fine. So that's what both parties are doing, telling people everything is fine. No wage increase in 20 years. Uh, people trying to figure out a, a new way to do things. But until we can mm -hmm. really solve the economic problems here, these are the issues that we're going to have to deal with, man. And, and, and look, like – I, I, like I, I don't know how to say this, <laughs> to say this politely, but well, we're this point blank period, man. Don't have to. Go talk to, <laughs> yeah, well, 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 go talk to some of the Muslim parents or, or some of these other people uh, parents. You don't have to make people Americanized. That second generation of children will be Americanized, and their parents are complaining like hell. The Muslims are saying, "Oh, the kids don't want to go to mosque. They're smoking. They're drinking. They're hanging out with their friends. They're talking like Americans. They're dressing like Americans." So that that part is is already built into it, man. You, you can Nige, say whatever you want to say, be whatever kind of strict parents you want, man. But, oh but Nige, man, I'm in Atlanta, man. I'm in an international city, dude. It's happening. I see some of these but, Muslim kids dressed up like you would think they were from Brooklyn or something. Like it's surprising, especially when you hear them talk. But Nod, you do you did it again. You make reference of the shitty jobs. How about mm -hmm. the twenty eighteen to twenty percent of the American doctors are foreign? So why not train Americans for those jobs? Why not train American children for those jobs? Put whatever infrastructure is necessary, cut out 
this excessive spending, this aid, this getting involved with these these crazy programs like global warming, that billion dollars, that $200 billion by 2025 can be used to train Americans for these jobs. If you have immigrants in the country coming from elsewhere, that's taking them. And you know the funny thing about this, they're able to create that type of infrastructure in their country based on the aid that the United States had gave them under some other pretense. We get this money well, here. We see, train okay, our I, people. I'll just ask you the simple question: Who benefits? Okay, so who's lobbying <laughs> no, to not have talk, things well, this who way? Who loses? Well, who benefits? Well, who loses? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because that gets to the question you're asking. When you say who benefits, you're talking about these corporations who want I'm things this way. I'm not saying who, who benefits. I ask jobs. who losing. I'm, I'm almost finished. Well, well, I'll get to that if you let me. Well, what? 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 Right, go ahead, man. Yeah. So the issue is making sure that they don't have the power to influence things to where it doesn't benefit the citizen. So that's the issue. The issue isn't saying, well, we divert a billion dollars from over here. No, the money is already there. The question is, will we use it in a fashion for the citizens or will we use it in a fashion for the corporations? It's a choice. Well, you give me my, you give me my uh, ability to have a choice and voucher, I'll show you how I use it. But in the case where you're training these foreigners to come in and do jobs that Americans should be trained for, Americans are the one that's losing. Simple as that. And as far as I hear somebody say, well, who's going to pick the tomatoes? Who's going to? Well, I tell you what, provide farmers with incentives where they can buy the technology that automatically pick tomatoes, that automatically are picking these vegetables. Then you don't have to have these foreigners in. These these machines don't get pregnant. (laughs) Well, you can do that too. How the prisons to do it? Make them pay for the time that they're spending in these prisons. Well, I tell you what, I remember in 2000, well, I remember the, the hoopla that happened when uh, when Gingrich uh, was, was uh, did, you know, said two things when he was running in 2012. One, you know, when he was talking about, you know, kids working at, I, cause I, and I did, this is actually what I did, this is, you know, is, you know, work as janitors to pay their way through school. I mean, that that's how I paid for my high school. I went, uh, I actually, you know, after school, I'd go to my old, my grade school. And for about an hour or so, I'd you know I'd clean the rooms and you know and and in the summer I you know I'd go to my school from eight o'clock in the morning till noon uh, every day during summer well not Saturday and Sunday but Monday through Friday from eight a.m. until noon I would go to the school and I'd either you know clean up the school or I'd, I'd do lawn work or I'd do you know pick weeds with my hands I remember you know you get those weeds that got that like milk like sticky stuff and you have I mean, you know, so I just, you know, manual labor like that, you know, landscaping and cleaning and, you know, things of that. That's how I paid for my, my, my grade school. And, and Gingrich, he mentioned, you know, doing genitorial work for, for kids, the, the, just even to pay for college or something. And they're like, like, I guess, like, oh, my gosh, like, you, you ask them to do that type of physical labor. You know, it's like, you know, have the, have the kids do these, you know, the American kids well, do these. If you have them pay, uh, do janitorial work to pay for their school, and let's have them do some kind of work to pay for the nurseries that they have in these high schools, taking care of um, the young girls' babies while they are trying to stay in the classroom. Did yeah, you have well, nurseries in your high school? Yeah, yeah, I never had any nurseries. Well, let me tell you something. (laughs) Let me tell you something. They got them in high schools today, especially around here. 
Yeah, but the, the main wow. the main point to that is adults are doing most of those jobs now because people need an extra job or a part time job. So those yeah, jobs are really available too. for kids in the way that they used to be because of the state of the economy, because of the state of, of most workers. So that that's the reality, man. And people don't want to deal with that part. They want to look for these quick solutions. And until people have more spending power and more access to credit, uh, this is what we have. Well, I think what you have, you have too many benefits for people who make ill choices nowadays. <laughs> if you make the choice and that there – Back in the day when America was great, I guess you can say they didn't have those things. I mean, you well, made yeah, a yeah, yeah, and, and the tough. large part there, like that Narcan for people who who are dumb enough to use. Uh, I'm sorry, I might sound callous, but the Narcan for the you know six hundred dollars a pop, four hundred dollars a pop. Uh, Narc given that to people who decide they want to take heroin, like you know, if you're gonna take the heroin, you know, you know it can kill you, and you're gonna take it anyway, you know. You're putting your own life in your own hands, and you need to just – that's your problem, not mine. I know that sounds callous, but – Well, yeah, like said, just just look at social safety net spending, and you'll see that it's not the case that we're spending too much on programs or anything like that. The reality is this economy is in a free fall, and people are lying about the health of it, and they've been doing that for the past eight years. Oh, everything is fine. Jobs are up. Uh, un- unemployment is down. Yeah, what about the people who stop looking? What about the people who are underemployed? They never get right. into specifics because they don't want you to know the reality. That's what it is. And, and I agree. Yeah, you do have a lot of your adults who are who are doing those those jobs for uh, you know you know for kids. You have to work you know in, you know two jobs or, or something of that nature. Have you ever seen as many old McDonald's workers as you do now? <laughs> if you go into a fast food place and things like that. Do you ever remember That's that? That's true. When you were, <laughs> oh, yeah, Walmart, McDonald's, certainly. Things yeah, have to be solved, man. And from a from a business standpoint, just think, back in the 1600s, 1700s, before they had all this corporation business the way they have it today, if you were a global trader business person, you come into America, you bring all your workers with you, see, and then you set them up on the plantation. You have to deal with all their headaches for HR, you know, and employee relations and stuff. That's just a real pain in the rear. Yeah, you might be able to make some money and stuff, and that's, you know, going to rip off your employees, but you still got to feed them. You still got to take care of all their medical expenses, and you got to deal with all of their, you know, if they want to try to kill you because they want to sneak guns in and, and whatnot. So there was just a risk avoidance transfer mechanism that the corporations did in order to make a new modern-day slavery. So now they use education and put that all on the back of the individual. Now they just pay as cheap as they can possibly get away with, and they call it the free market when we know it's really a rigged system because they're the ones that get to – you know, get the ear of the politicians and make sure their will gets enacted, codified, and ratified, and the rest of us don't. We get to talk and vote, but we don't get any real, um, you know, mutuality of agreement in our contracts. So they did a risk avoidance and risk transfer trick on the American people, and they had to teach their employees how to – you know, do the work that they wanted them to do, whatever kind of business it was, and they transferred all that to the employees, and then they manipulate it with the congressmen and stuff so they share a little profit, and they've always been doing that forever. So, you know, the 
Americans that are left on the sidelines, what, we got roughly 90 million people that are on food stamps or some form of social welfare or unemployed, they can't force these employees to interview them. They are in employers. You know, they can't force the employers to hire them. But the, the corporate global governance, people that want to be global traders and corporations are, they know that's the way for them to govern is from a one-world standpoint. So they're going to use that as a wedge issue in order to bring more riots and protests in the streets so then they can call on the U.N. to come and help us out get martial law in order so then they can help shoo us into the one world government so then the fewer of the corporations can be the ones that decide all your burdens and and um, encumbrances and you think it's hard to get justice in America now? It will be more hard to try to get justice through an international court when you're here local in America and you have to try to get to the Hague it's ridiculous. It's all a scam <laughs> It's psychological projections and manipulations, man. That algebra stuff that I tried to tell you about. Well, I hate algebra, so not well. No, algebra is not too bad. It's geometry I didn't like. <laughs> you got you got to let me, Robert. You got to let me tell you or try to explain better the trick that they do in Congress all the time, where they flip the majority vote burden to a basis of disapproval in order to. Uh, I've tried to just briefly share this once before, and I don't think anybody pays attention to it, but it's a sneaky snake routine that they did on the Iran deal in order to make sure that that passed, and there's few people that have to say, oh, I was I was for that, and I was against it. It's cover, and it's manipulation. It's one, another one of those word algebra tricks, and they even did it with the trying to repeal Obamacare 60 times. They all, anytime you bring something to the floor, you bring it to the floor on the very same basis as it was initially, and that, you know, brought to the floor. And then you, if you still have the 60 vote threshold, then you're still in, you know, in the right. I wish I was a better speaker. You're more in line with the Constitution, but when you bring it to the floor on the basis of support. But then at some other time later, you flip the basis, and the majority burden becomes on the people that are against it. Now you're playing in apples and oranges. And it probably needs more discussion for me to explain it and get feedback from you guys asking questions for me to understand how to make it make sense to you because I'm not that great a speaker. But anyway, back to you. Oh, John, I think you're doing fine. Well, we, I mean, we've got a little bit of time. Uh, we've, yeah, we've got a couple more callers on. Uh, who uh, have not yet have hit the one number dial, so we'll get them in if they decide to do so. Maybe just listen to us here at the uh, extended period of the show. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, I want to hear more, you know, maybe more implications on the – because, I mean, I'll be honest with you uh, folks. I mean, I don't know, you know, a lot of different ins and outs of the, you know, uh, emoluments clause. I mean, I, I've just now heard it. Um, you know, perhaps we used to have uh, – Christine Timmons come, Timmons come on, uh, who, I mean, she can, she, like, a, like somebody who can uh, quote a Bible, you know, she, verse and chapter, she can do the same thing with the, with the Constitution. That's definitely a skill I don't have, but, you know, we love her, but boy, she expected all of us to be able to do that, and boy, if we did, and we were like children to her. Uh, but uh, love her, but, well, anyway, actually, we do have Kelly, uh, one, maybe you can help us more about this emoluments clause. 
Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, we only got about 25 minutes left of the show, which means we only got about 20 minutes before I have to close things out. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, welcome Kelly. Thanks, Kelly. How are you tonight? Okay. Sorry, I've been listening. I uh, got a gold mining show that I'm going to with some equipment. I had to test it tonight. And, oh, uh, there you go. Break yeah, open that gold mine. Find that vein. On that vein. Well, yeah, on that vein. I know on that vein. Yeah. Well, anyway. Um, yeah, the buddy and I, we were watching the news about uh, uh, Skia. How do you pronounce his name? The congressman that got shot. Um, I guess oh, yeah, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to, trying to pronounce his name too, and I'm having a hard time with that as well. Yeah, some say Scalise, some say Scalise. Yeah, yeah, poor guy. Um, but he's probably going to pull through. At least he just got and, shot uh, in the. At least he got shot in the hip. <laughs> Could have been worse. What? Well, there was one report where he got shot in the hip, and then another congressman who went out there and put a tourniquet on him said it was in the leg, and he's just losing a lot of blood. Um, huh. Who knows? But uh, and of course, you know, the left is quick to, uh, you know, let's grab guns now, you know, that kind of stuff. It's interesting. But I, you know, I ran into a Bernie Sanders fan today, and he didn't know about the shooting, and uh, he was kind yeah, of yeah. I heard the guy was a Bernie Sanders fan, from my understanding. You got some wine? I heard he was a Bernie Sanders Bernie Sanders fan. Yeah, yeah, the shooter was, and then they ran into another Bernie Sanders fan, and he was kind of upset that they didn't shoot better. I'm like, ooh, oh, that's geez. interesting. Um, yeah, and I was like, hmm, you know. And then I realized, uh, uh, well, you know, okay, here's the deal. If somebody's going to go all in, I mean, if somebody's going to go and shoot, they're going to be committing suicide by cop. I mean, that's the obvious. Right. So if a person, if a person's going to go all in, then maybe maybe they should have some training how to shoot a gun because gun control is the ability to shoot what you aim at. And obviously, the <laughs> there left you go. Yeah, obviously the left isn't very good at uh, shooting, which we saw today. Which, um, well, anyway. But it's like if you're going to go in, you need to get the person's going to need to get some training. Well, how would they get some training? Well, maybe they should join the NRA and uh, you know local chapter, and maybe somebody will, older fellow will take them under the wing. And well, wait a minute, by the time they're done their training, they're probably not going to want to uh, probably not going to want to shoot somebody because they've made some new friends on the right, and they realize, hey, you know. These people are pretty, pretty decent people. Why don't I have so much hatred, you know? So, but anyway, that's just kind of an interesting perspective that if, if, if the left is going to learn how to shoot, they should join the NRA. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I had to sneak a joke in. But, um, right. the, uh, uh, what's his name? Jerome Corsi. He was on, he was on, um, Infowars today, Alex Jones. Uh, of course, Jerome Corsi is with Worldnet Daily, and he did psychops as like a psychologist when had you years ago, and he was predicting that what's happening with the media and the increase in violence and the division and and the news is that they're getting us mentally prepared, possibly for. A civil war, which would be a very different civil war, um, 
you know, getting us psychologically ready for it, which, you know, I'd hate to see this. I mean, yes, we disagree. I understand that. Even libertarians disagree with um, amongst themselves. But, but going to violence is getting, it's getting ridiculous. But another person, Marine, had some intel that supposedly uh, it might be happening next month. Uh, they've been getting trained for, quote-unquote, civil disobedience by funding with Soros and, and Obubu. And we might see more than civil disobedience um, coming up. So it's going to be an interesting watch uh, coming up ahead. Um, yeah, and yeah, Comey, by the way, Comey kind of blew it. <laughs> a lot of, well, no, I, I wasn't, oh, yes, I was, to not investigate. Oh, yes, this and no, this, and kind of incriminating. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. It's really, I, I dread for people that live in the big cities. I'm in a rural area surrounded by rednecks, and obviously we're going to be pretty safe here, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I would encourage people to at least start considering an exit strategy um, or a temporary, you know, temporary hiatus because, yeah, it, it could get ugly if uh, these types of events keep happening. What kind of strategy did you say? Some kind of temporary exit strategy, something if you got an uncle that lives out in the farm somewhere or some relatives, you know, or in a small town. I mean that's kind of the one of the first steps. The I mean in the history of the world folks, look, I know we live uh a wonderful country and everything, we got peace and order. But when you take numbers when you take numbers, um, I've, I've been in an event. It was peaceful. It was a bucket brigade back in 2001. There was like 30,000 people that were protesting that they shut the gates, the irrigation gates off. And the look on the on the police streets in Klamath Falls, their look was helplessness. Nothing they could do because we outnumbered them like I don't know, thousand, like 500 to one, 100 to one. It was You could see their look. And there's only so many police, so many sheriffs. Um, yeah, you can call them the National Guard, which, okay, yeah, that'd be constitutional, but um, quasi. But it's just there's not enough resources if people get violent. And in the history of the world, this has happened over and over. Um, why are we so immune from it? I mean, that's every empire. I, yeah, every empire pretty much, except a few, but that's all in their story. But, yeah, I would encourage people, you know, make acquaintances with their, their cousins that live in a small town. Um, at least say hello, you know. Uh, reconnect so that in case things get batty, you know. Because um, it's, it's... I mean, I can imagine a situation where they block traffic. Do you like Trump or not? Do you like Trump? You know, they beat the crap out of you. Or worse. Um. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, I just just so a little. About, hey, call your cousin, say hi. That's probably a, a good thing to do. What about the surveillance tracking on you, though? Electronic, digital. Well, what I'm trying to say, it's not the government necessarily that's the concern. It's the mobs. Jefferson had well, to watch a uh, insurrection. So did Washington, President Washington. Um, I think it was was uh, who was president in 19 
twenty. Was it Hoover? Um, he had from World War One a bunch of uh, vets that weren't getting the benefits they were promised. They filled up with tents uh, the D.C. Mall, and the president at the time had to call up the army and just kick them out. Yeah, um, the Hoovervilles. But that's what they were. Well, they, that's what they called the little tent community they created, Hoovervilles. It was Hoover. Okay, yeah. yeah but got the army remember Daniel Ellsberg and D- Thomas Drake and William Benny? They got some pretty hairy stories, and they used to work in our, you know, intelligence groups. Yeah, I mean, there was Shays Rebellion. There's been a number of incidences. I mean, even Spartacus. Um, he he uh, got a whole bunch of criminals and ex-criminals and what have you, and the first time the Roman army went at him, um, the Roman army got defeated, and that's when the term decimated came from because the general said, okay, every tenth guy, step forward and kill this one. So every tenth, we got decimated. Oh, we lost 10%. It's not what people think. But, you know, Spartans, uh, Spartacus, sorry, Spartacus, it happens, folks. And, you know, maybe it won't. Maybe there will be peace. Maybe not. We'll see. Yeah, but Thomas Drake, William Benny, those guys are just within the last 10 years, man. They really talk about some stuff. If you get on the net and do some research on William Benny or Thomas Drake and Daniel Ellsberg, they tried to be whistleblowers to do it the right way, and Edward Snowden learned from them, and that's why they're, you know, pretty much almost dead. It's not dead, but you know what I mean. They're I don't even know how to explain. Yeah. Well, my encouragement to everybody is call. At least call your cousin and say hi. Cousin lives in a small town around the country. Well, well I got I got a sister who lives out in the country, but. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there the you only go. problem I have with those kind of proclamations is people always give a date, and then when it doesn't happen, they never bring it up again. And the difficulty of this is, as dire as things are in America right now, the living standards are way too high for people to get out there and, and put their life on the line in high numbers. Uh, people get enough to eat. They got a roof over their head. So you don't really see that level of mass, you know, critical mass rebellion going on in well, America. Mm-hmm. Well, hold on. Well, you got to see, like, system, systemic failure like Venezuela before you see people right, in right. the street doing stuff like that. Well, but, Here's the thing. It is what it is. Well, yeah, no. Well, I had a, uh, I've got a client, okay? She's a Bernie Sanders fan. I'm glad to help her because, you know, she's like a elderly, you know, single lady, and, and she's rentals and rehab and all sorts of things as a civil engineer. And one day we were talking, and we always talk about politics. I'm a libertarian. Both sides open up to me. But she believes, she believes that Trump is, is just like Adolf Hitler. And, and she was. Yeah, I got, a friend, I got a couple friends like that. It's, un, it's unbelievable. Well, yeah. And I'm like, well, well, well. Our Constitution has so many checks and balances that it can't happen. And I explained this one, this one, this one, this one. And the way she. And, and, and I did it over the phone. And then again, somehow she got to that panic point in person. And when I saw her face, like, oh my gosh. Oh, even if he is Adolf Hitler, he's not going to be able to do what he wants to do. You could see. It's like she she hadn't seen sunshine in weeks. It was just just the burden was off of her face. 
but I had to do this twice. I mean, they're really thinking he is like either the, um, the devil, the Antichrist, or Hitler, and it's just We're mind all three combined. Yeah, and it's mind blowing. And oh, by the way, he Trump did have an upgrade because they started comparing him to Nixon and Watergate. So that's I guess better than Hitler. Oh yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I've listened, but I I guess that's about all I have to say for for tonight. But yeah, well I'll just say well, that the guy in Oregon, the guy in Oregon said Sharia law was taking over and Muslims taking over the country. So he started cutting people's throats. There's going to be mentally unstable people who don't handle things well and don't understand nothing about what they're talking about and are willing to do stuff like that. But that doesn't mean that there are thousands of them, let alone hundreds of thousands of them. So, I mean, we, we got to deal with this in a realistic way. Don't fall in paranoia and think that the world's going to end next week. Like this, this is this be the week after too, that. man. It's, it's, you know, it is what it is. I don't, well, if, if yeah. there if there are ten psychopaths out of a million people times three hundred million, that's three thousand people across the country. That's they could lead people. Hitler was a psychopath. Um, well, what's beautiful about this country is we are not prosecuted or punished for what we believe or think. We are not punished mm-hmm. for that. We are punished when we hurt, harm somebody else. In our country, it's what people do that the law steps in. And so, obviously, we can have all sorts of different opinions, and we can voice them in a million ways. But it's when we Point do something. the little sisters of the poor, you do it for what you get punished for what you don't do. Well, yeah, I mean, neglect and other things. But, I mean, in, in, compared to other countries, I mean, Sharia law, really. You know, it's kind of frightening, but it's not here yet. I mean, they have the right to believe whatever they want to believe in this country. Just the law stands. Yeah, but above that's it. not a that's not a yet thing. It, that's possible in Europe because they don't have a constitution. In America, you cannot put your religious law over over the law. The case study Correct. on that is the state of Oregon versus Orange. There was a Native American working for the local government who wanted to do his peyote ceremony, and he said he failed a drug test, and he said he should be able to do it because that's his religious right. They said, no, you're fired. He tried to sue. He lost. Why? Because your religion does not supersede uh, st- uh, w- what the law is in your state or federally. So th- this whole Sharia law thing is a scaremongering tactic that people have been doing for a while, but it's not actually actable in the United States. U.K. and those places where they're fighting for Sharia law, they don't have a constitution. That's why they got that conundrum. We don't have that here. But we have but this, uh, law, too. And that the rule of law is very important too. I mean, the rule of law, yeah. It's by you are punished for what you do when you harm others, not what you think or believe. And that's the beautiful thing about our country. Well, you know, this recent shooting in Virginia is uh, got the left back on the horses, trying to come down against the Second Amendment. And even after the aftermath, you had some gruesome killings here that was done with knives. So uh, here we go again. Right. Never miss an opportunity, do they? <laughs> and I say that as a as a dude who's not, you know, extra pro-gun, but I just became an NRA member from Pianchi's constant speeches over the years. But, yeah, the left, the left does have a problem with trying to take advantage of uh, 
crisis situation. The right does it too, but at a certain point, it's disgusting. You know what I mean? People have been shot, and you out here trying to advocate for uh, <laughs> your political position. Right. Yeah, they did try to. You know, what's the phrase? Uh, no. Um, don't let a, a don't let a crisis get away. <laughs> is what's kind of the uh, the conventional yep. wisdom for them is don't let don't let uh, yeah don't let a crisis get away. Is what they yeah never let a good crisis go to waste, Robbie Manuel. Yeah. Ron Emanuel, absolutely right. Yeah, it's an old saying, man. They, they, some people tie it to Bismarck and other people, but it's an old saying, and Ron brought that out again. Good old Ron Emanuel, man. He was the Democratic superstar. Then he actually got elected in Chicago. People saw how he governed. Now everybody hates him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they still vote him in. Hey, they did that time. We'll see going man. forward. He got in there, and now everybody hates him. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, I assume we got about eight minutes left, unfortunately. So we got about uh, three minutes, and so that gives, uh, well, not even quite a minute for people for closing thoughts. So let's go ahead and uh, do those. And so first we'll uh, go with you, John, and then we'll go with the, uh, you, Bianchi, and then Naj, and then Kelly, uh, finish up with the final thoughts, and then I'll have to close things out for the show. Uh, go ahead, John. Hey, hey, everybody, don't let your uh, representative misrepresent you. Fraudulent misrepresentation, extrinsic fraud, fraudulent conveyance, check those out in your blacks. And then also, and when I say blacks, I'm talking about the black law dictionary. That just dawned on me that might have came out wrong. Um, we have to make sure that we have uh, several great candidates for the next 2018 and 2020 elections. Mm-hmm. If, we keep, if we keep being distracted, we're going to get taken to the cleaners. Back to you. Yeah, I'll bring you to Pianchi. Well, I, I I concur. I think that we need to pay attention to what we're being told. Listen to the news very carefully. You can have a subject that's not on uh, politics at all, but Trump's name is mentioned ten times. Just listen and be astute. <laughs> and more importantly, talk to other people and help them to better understand what they are confused with. No, I just think that brings it over to you. Oh. Yeah, it, yeah, just be more discerning, man. Ask questions. Think about things in a logical way. Think about whoever you're listening to, what are they trying to get you to think? And at that point, you can start making better decisions, and you'd be more informed. So ask questions, no matter who it is, even if it's your favorite person that you listen to. Ask questions. Don't take their word as gospel, because everybody has an agenda, and sometimes their agenda <laughs> It does not fit uh, the things that you actually want. And Kelly, you got the last word, and then I'll have to close things out, sir. Well, uh, I asked a lot of questions of my mother growing up so much that annoyed her. And uh, and it was because I said so, and she had the ping-pong paddle for my beat night. But it is always good to question, cross-reference, is this true, is it not? Um, I'm hearing some... um, new voices, and I like that. Um, of course, I always like different perspectives. And um, I guess that's about it, so others can talk. Well, actually, that's uh, all we have. <laughs> uh, but I do appreciate it, and we are um, going to 
So it's a video game. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you might have heard that uh, music from. But anyway, uh, we are. Uh, yeah, gosh, yeah, that threw me off. I hate that. But anyway, I had to close things out for this evening. I got a few minutes left. Uh, one thing you might find a note of interest. Uh, I don't know much on it yet. Uh, however, I was approached by someone called uh, that uh, has a website called the Trump Times, and uh, there's uh, folks who post articles on there. And I was approached by, you know, I guess one of their uh, producers or editors or what have you, inviting me to uh, be a contributing writer on there. So it'll be interesting. I don't know whether I'm going to do it. I have looked at it uh, briefly. Uh, so I might be putting up some articles on there where we'll put out uh, some posts for the uh, for the show. I'll probably do some, uh, maybe a little synopsis of, of what we discussed on each show, and perhaps that'll be the article for uh, that I'll write for it. Uh, but if you want to check it out, for those who are uh, Trump supporters, it's uh, com. Uh, you can also find it on Facebook, I believe, uh, called The Trump Times. So we'll see uh, what happens with that and see if I might put some uh, some articles up on, on their site as one of their contributing writers. Uh, but, you know, I'll give you some more uh, updates as uh, I learn more. I was just approached a couple of days ago. And uh, I spoke today with uh, the editor uh, of, you know, I guess organization, website, uh, whichever, uh, and we'll, we'll see where it goes. But I do need to end tonight, as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So thank you very much, uh, everyone, for coming to the show. And definitely, uh, uh, if you have the link uh, to share that out with people uh, so they can listen to our show as well. Or you can uh, just have them look at Large Logic Political Talk there on iTunes where they can download it to their notable device. So, again, folks, see you next week. Take care and good night. Mm-hmm.